It's Mr. Chris with the Funkatopia Radio Show. Hope everybody's doing well. We got a big, big show, big, big show today. And we're not going to make the mistake of letting that intro song play on and on and on while we're talking anymore. Uh, check, check, check. We're all good. We're here. We're here. Tonight, what an awesome night. Welcome to Funkatopia Live on this uh, September 10th, one day before 9-11. Kind of a, a auspicious day. And the reason why I say auspicious, let me, let me clarify, because there's a lot of things going on for me personally tomorrow. Uh, not only do we have, obviously, the, um, well, the day that we will never forget which actually happened uh 1999 2000 i mean 9 11 2000 I mean, you see I'm, I'm like i'm like future thinking ahead of this 9 11 2001 but it's also my 20th wedding anniversary tomorrow yeah and on top of that if and on top of that uh after we had been married for three years my wife went into labor uh with my uh, middle daughter who uh, was born on 9-11. So not only is it my 20th wedding anniversary, but it's also her 17th birthday tomorrow. So 9-11 is just one of these weird days for me. It's just... Uh, but, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. And I, what's also pretty awesome is that uh, tonight is the 100th episode of Dr. Funkenberry's podcast, and he has decided to do that 100th episode right here on Funkatopia Live. So if you would please welcome aboard Dr. Funkenberry. What's up, man? What's going on? Thank you. Thank you. I could not think of anything better than to be doing a live show. And it's live. Whether we get the dates wrong or right, it's live. And also uh, with Paisley Park, September 11th, 1987 is when uh, that complex officially opened up its doors. And that's pretty crazy, too. An auspicious date, as you said. But, um, I, I don't know that I was aware of that date. I, uh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. And... 100 episodes, like, uh, took a little over uh, three years, but 100 episodes, I can't believe it, and I want to thank the fans so much uh, for their support for other things over the past three years. It's been quite amazing, and the love, and just, you know, the reason I keep doing it is for them, and I just want to make it bigger and better, and that's the plan for the next 100 episodes. Yeah, I was trying to, I said, you know, maybe I should go back and count to see exactly how many episodes I've done uh, over the you know, over the years. And I don't think that I have, I don't know. I, I, I know that I'm way past 100. I know that. And it's not because I've necessarily been doing this. Um, I've been doing it way more than three years. But right. when, I, when I first started doing it, I was doing interviews. So, you know, I was... I was lucky enough to kind of be able to interview, you know, Thomas Dolby and uh, the guys from Wang Chung and kind of did a lot of 80s stuff. And then, of course, we did a bunch right. of print stuff, too. Got to interview Liv Warfield and Elisa Fiorillo Dees. And, uh, you know, so I think between all the Funkatopia radio shows that I was doing, which the, the radio show broadcast was a little bit different. I was like, I would play like just a bunch of different songs and, and stuff. And I think right. that's how I started was I wanted to play new music because I had, I'd created a website that 
uh, really supported a bunch of different artists. And I said, you know, I'm going to take a bunch of music. I'm going to take a bunch of uh, songs from artists that people may or may not have heard of and just kind of highlight them and talk a little bit about it and where they can find more information on them. And I started off like that and then um, just started it's just started steamrolling from there. It was really kind of a, a, a cool thing. So compared to where you obviously are now, what was, how did you start as far as like, what did your first podcast or the first few podcasts look like as far as the structure and how they were laid out? The, what I originally first did in 2012 is I wasn't thinking of podcasts. I didn't think that podcasts were going to still have this major effect that they have now. I was more about video cast, and I kind of put it out there in the Twitterverse. I was interested in it, and this guy named Seth Everett, uh, who does sports in New York, um, told me about something called Spreecast. So we did like a video show in October of 2012, and uh, we decided to make it a print show, and then Prince just kind of said, um, if you're wanting to do that every week, I'd be down with it, and we'd pay you. <laughs> um, so we started in uh, January of 2013 and doing the Spreecast, and that was video format, and we'd have people live on. We had Bobby Z, we had Andre Simone. You know, and over the years, I've been able to interview people uh, you know, like Adam Lambert, Lenny Kravitz, private conversation with Prince. Um, but you know, those things would be on YouTube and whatnot, but I really, really loved the live format of the Spreecast where you can have the guest on and then there's a chat room for people and they would answer the questions live. And that's where it all started for me. Unfortunately, the Spreecast format kind of died out and I didn't like how YouTube was and other things to where, uh, the format just didn't move to me as smoothly. But this is why, like, you doing a show live is what makes me do it because it just reminds me of those precast days where anything could happen, where we'd have someone call in and then brand new music will be played. Um, those were really, really, really fun times, and I enjoyed doing them with Seth and then doing them on my own and the people that we were able to interview. And then just the ridiculous amount of views that we would get sometimes, like it would be in the millions. And... There's nothing, there's nothing better than doing live stuff. So it's like afterwards, and we did the podcast, you know, I was talked into doing it. Um, but again, not doing it live, you kind of miss something in my opinion sometimes. So uh, it's just, that's what I want to do. I would love to get back to doing video casts and other things, not even on Facebook Live or whatever, just so we can generate our own stuff. But I think that would be amazing. And then to have, kind of have it to where the fans can interact the way that they're interacting with you on Facebook Live in a different format. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's it's a little bit tricky because you never know really kind of what's going to work and what's not going to work. I, I'm not really too, you know, concerned about, you know, who listens and, and who doesn't. I think that if people really are into what I'm doing and they, you know, that they kind of dig it, then I don't have to they'll come. I, I guess it's kind of like the, the build it and they will come approach, I guess. Um, because I think that, you know, what we're doing, you know, what we're doing as far as the, the, the topicality and the things that we're talking about um, really speak to people. And I think that even though we are, you know, more than, than three years beyond his passing, people still want to be able to have a place to kind of heal and, and just be able to 
converse and and talk about all things Prince and and you know that's kind of what we do here on the show. It's not necessarily what all of Funkatopia is about, uh, but you know Funkatopia is a massive massive uh, hub for all things Prince and and a lot of people people realize that and uh, I, I think they they come accordingly. And I just uh, I think it's really cool that you know you've you know been you know, coming onto the show and, and really have, uh, you know, in, embraced the format and have, you know, just, it's, it's cool to have you along for the ride for sure. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I said nothing beats live and the spontaneity of everything is just amazing. And I do feel from the fans reactions that I've heard, they really like our chemistry together and it just, it does stuff. I'm hearing about it in public. I'm hearing about it. I'm seeing it online and I just think it's a good thing. And like I've been saying, you know, when I first did the show a, cu- a couple of months back, that we all need to come together and unite, that there's room for us all, that we all have to be a voice because it's not about us, it's about his legacy. It's about other things. And then if we all join together and we all rise up together, then what's the problem? You know what I mean? Like, let's all look out for one another because this is what it's about, right? It's not about us. It's about yeah. him. You know? Right. And uh, speaking of which, man, what a, you know, we last week we had talked about The Beautiful Ones, the book that's going to be released from, um, well, from Prince. Well, the first 50 pages anyways. And, right. um, you know, there was that article that was released last week that a lot of people had, you know, kind of commented on in a little bit of detail um, so we said, you know, we really want to take time to kind of dissect this a little bit because there's a lot here. I mean, it's not just one of those, yeah. it's not one of those articles that you can just say, oh, this is what I read. And here's a synopsis of what he said. There was a lot to unpack in that article, um, as far, and not only that, but the other, the little pieces that we've seen here and there that have come up on other various news sites. And so I think there's a lot that we know about this book now, um, on top of the fact that Random House is also, um, is, and it sounds like I'm about to go into this uh, topic, but I'm, I'm not because there's another topic I want to get to first. Um, there is quite a bit to unpack about this book, and Random House has also started to reach out to a lot of different uh, Prince-type blogs, and they reached out to me, I guess, via email yesterday, I think it was, and asked me to post the fact that uh, if you go ahead and pre-order that you can uh, get a poster now. What was the dimensions on that poster that they said they were going to be released? Would they, would they post? It's, it's small, but it'll probably fit inside the book, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's really a poster. I think it's like the, yeah. old, like the old magazines that we used to get that says, poster included, and then you open it up and it's nothing more than just like two eight and a half by 11s taped together type of thing with the staples in the middle. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that's necessarily what it's going to be, but I think the dimensions kind of spoke a little bit to that. But anyways, if you have already pre-ordered this book, you can uh, just go to facebook.com slash Funkatopia and you'll be able to see the post that we did uh, about the pre-ordering of the book. And if you click on that link you will be able to uh, get your poster if you've already pre-ordered it. You got to supply them with your receipt number 
so that they can make sure that you actually did pre-order the book. But once you do that, then you can get the uh, poster added on and you'll get all the, the, the fun stuff that comes along with it. And there may be more to it as well, from what I understand. They have also reached out. We're not talking about the beautiful ones yet. We're not going to be talking about this in detail, but I want to talk about some of the Random House stuff that's going on. Random House has also reached out to a lot of Prince blogs, as I said before, and they are trying to arrange a massive, I guess, book release type of party in various locations all around the country. And like, for instance, they reached out to us and said, you know, what what town is a good place for, uh, what bookstore do you normally go to? What would be a good bookstore that you would go to? And they essentially have said that they want us to host a party of sorts, not really a party, but like a... Uh, I guess a table or some type of presence at this bookstore at whatever bookstore it is that they choose that would be, I guess, I don't know if it's going to be a table or, or what they're going to, there's going to be giveaways and all types of stuff. So anyways, you can expect to see some type of presence from any Prince blog or Prince, I guess, fan group that happens to be in your area to be popping up at some bookstore somewhere. If you're in the Atlanta area, I know that for us, we said, well, probably for me, the books a million up at the, um, if you're in Atlanta, the books a million that's up in Lawrenceville, Georgia at the Sugarloaf Mills, uh, mall, that is probably the best. And demographically, it's probably the best location for it as well. Just because with Atlanta bookstores, it's very, very difficult to get in and out of any place in downtown Atlanta just because of the parking scenario and everything else, and it's just a better scenario. So you could definitely probably expect to see some type of event in October around the time the book release happens for Funkatopia, as far as we're concerned. There may be right. some others that happened in Atlanta as well. Um, so I would just, if you have a Prince blog that you are aware of that happens in your area or that's in your area, I would definitely keep in touch and stay in tune with what they're posting because Random House is reaching out to all of these individual places and is trying to set up some type of setup for right. around the country. Um, and for LA, um, cause it was going to be a little bit bigger and the Netflix people were getting involved and, they wanted to do it on October 26th, and I asked them to please not do it on that day because there's another party going on. So I don't know when ours was going to happen, but there was going to be um, a book release event on October 26th with the other party going on. I just felt that um, it wasn't cool. So we're looking at different options. I'm still hoping it's going to happen, but um, we it was going to be bigger than a bookstore, and I still believe that we're going to do something with a bookstore with the fan groups in the area, with myself and Dwayne Tudal, I'm hoping, and uh, just to make it good and have it more. You know, they're asking a lot of the fan community to do this to promote it. So I just think in bigger areas, such as yourself in Atlanta, such as myself in L.A., we can have these be more than just regular events 
you know, and I'm hoping that'll be the case. But I appreciate all the fans that have been supporting stuff. I know uh, you guys aren't exactly hearing that, especially with the person that did the book isn't isn't here with us anymore. And then Dan Pipenbring is really hard to get a hold of. And that New Yorker article, that's why it was so big. And we'll get back onto the book thing aside from the other news that we have to talk about. But you guys are amazing. Um, I really want to see this book do well on the New York Times bestseller list. And it's going to be all because of you guys. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have, I, I think with the, uh, perception that in, from people on the outside of the Prince community that are not aware that Prince has only written the first 50 pages of this book, I think they're going to, Random House is very strategically going to market this book to make it look like he wrote the whole entire thing, and that's an autobiography. I think it, they, they'll obviously, they're not going to you know, market it incorrectly, but I think that they're going to really downplay the the point that he's only wrote 50 pages of this. So anybody outside of the is, you know, sorry, sorry, but we'll see like, you know, his handwritten lyrics for songs and other, other designs that he was doing or being included in the book to make up for those pages that were, you know, where he was supposed to do the entire book. But I will say talking with Dan Pipenbring before that, you know, look, we wanted the entire book done by Prince 100%, but Dan's heart has been in the right place. His mind has been in the right place. Prince shows him for a reason. Um, so I'm really hoping, I have high expectations for this book, where I didn't exactly before, but as long as Dan is involved, we're going to get kind of more of the image. Of course, it only being 50 pages of what he did sucks, but it will be a full-length book. But I am, you know, I wish that it could have been up until the Super Bowl of 2007, which is what he wanted, you know, and I'm sure you feel that way too, that we're getting kind of like... It, it ends when Purple Rain comes out, you know, which which sucks because here we are again. Prince is more than Purple Rain, but his story, his autobiography is going to end at Purple Rain. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, there's a lot to that because I think there was a lot of other things that he probably would have tapped on in regards to his spiritual growth and everything that he was going through. It would have been interesting to kind of see his perception um, and just how he kind of felt about how he grew spiritually and everything that happened with the transformation that took place when he was, you know, cooperating with Larry Graham and all those guys and just all that stuff that was going on, what that, what that journey, that first journey out onto the road to knock on people's door and actually witness to people like the first time that he actually went, not that he may or may not have covered that, but it would have been entertaining to know that that may have happened. That may have been a story in that book. You know, I just, I think there's so much that I would have loved to have learned. And I don't, you know, I probably would garner to say that even if he did, write the whole entire book, there still would have been a bunch that people would have wanted to know. There's so many stories that are, I mean, the stories just seem to be never ending in regards to Prince. It's just a a normal week in the life of this guy was just, was worth a book in itself. So there are so many individual components and things that people are hoping are going to be answered. There's so many people that, you know, want them to answer. Is this song about me? Is this about this? Or what, what, what is this? Who is that song about? Who is that? You know, what are you writing about? Blah, 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 blah. I think you know what I'm getting at. There's so many people that are out there that want a bunch of questions answered that are not going to get those answers. 
Um, and he never would have answered. He didn't answer those questions when he was alive. So it's not going to be covered here anyways. But it's, I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's not covered that are going to be a little bit disappointing to some people. And, um, yeah, I'll, go ahead. Right. Should we, should, should we clear the rumor on one thing? Uh, wonderful ass is not about me. I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> well, there ain't no booty there, okay? But at least I ain't flat in the front. All that matters. So we're just going to clear that up, okay? <laughs> yeah, and, and and just know that uh, Irresistible Bitch used to be called Irresponsible Bitch, but he changed it at the last minute. So. Yeah, that is just hilarious. I mean, people were coming up to me about that for a while. Irresistible <laughs> Bitch, huh? <laughs> uh, so we are going to come... Hopefully, an inside people but yeah yeah no it's only an inside joke if you uh if you haven't listened to the previous podcast you just just go back right. a little bit it's hilarious it's so much fun um get it. yeah so um let's let's move forward we're, we're going to come back to this this book because we're going to talk a little bit about it i almost feel like we're kind of we're kind of already in it we should talk about it a little bit more but i know mm. that one of the things that uh people are really itching about right now that is kind of just blowing up the internet right now it's breaking the internet is the announcement that was made today of the reissue slash remastering of 1999 that is going to hit the stores november 29th 2019 and um i you know <laughs> I think it's really funny that we were actually in this discussion. I've been in this discussion for a very long time. Ever since the deluxe edition of Purple Rain came out, I said from the get-go that this is exactly what they needed to do. I thought the deluxe edition of Purple Rain was fantastic because I think it gave people everything that they wanted. The remastering of Purple Rain, which which Prince was actually involved in. And then on top of that, all of these extras that were... Uh, included on that CD, which he was not involved in, but all these extras that are on these uh, CDs that gave people a little bit of a little bit of a blast of unreleased material that people had never heard before. And I said, you know, this is exactly what needs to happen for every single one of his albums moving forward. And I definitely think that Around the World in the Day deserved a deluxe edition. That Parade deserves a deluxe edition, but that's okay. They went backwards and they decided that they were going to do the 1999 deluxe edition, which is, uh, we did a full track listing on Funkatopia.com and, um, it is pretty staggering. It's supposed to be five CDs, 10 vinyl LPs. If you're getting the vinyl version and a DVD and it is I, it's staggering the what it what is on here according to what according to the count there are 35 tracks that are previously unreleased of course they're counting some of the seven inch edits and stuff like that have not weren't really previously released or were done for, yeah. for, for or done for promo sake or whatever the case may be but that's okay i am really um i'm looking forward to this i i can't even i i saw this and i was just I had to stop what I was doing when I heard about it and, and run, run to the computer and said, I've got to, I, we have to put this on Funkatopia and we have to put the track listing. If you want to see the track listing, you can go to Funkatopia.com, F-U-N-K-A-T-O-P-I-A.com, click on the 1999 uh, re- reissue listing and see the entire track listing for all of 
the album. And uh, a lot of people are a little bit upset because there are some things that are obviously missing. Uh, the, some of the things that people were saying were missing were um, extra lovable and uh, lust you always. I think there was, a, it was a couple other ones that, that people right. were just shocked were, were not on there. And, and he actually extra lovable was a little bit in question as it was because not only because um, I don't know that he already reloaded that as it was. So it, it kind of already was released, but the original version, I think it's, it's, it kind of falls in the same category that schoolyard does. It's kind of one of those that's like, uh, you know, because if, if you guys remember the original version of extra lovable, you know, says stuff like I'm going to rape you now and things like that. Well, I, I don't know if that was the reasoning why they kind of pulled back on that, but we're going to go through the track listing here, uh, track by track, but it, you have a general overview uh, insight that you'd like to share. Let's get to extra level one because uh, I actually discussed this with Prince in person um, about, how do I put it? Give me a moment here. <clears throat> about you know, after the extra level reloaded version came out, we talked and he told me that if anyone else was releasing this song, it would be a top 10 hit, but because it's him, it's not going to be. And then I talked about the original version of the song and give me one moment, take over, take over for a moment and I'll be right back with it. Hold on. Okay. So we are, uh, for those of you just joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to Funkatopia Live. We are talking, with, we're with Dr. Funkenberry. He is on the line. We are actually doing his 100th episode. His 100th episode is happening right here tonight. We are going to be talking about a variety of topics. We're also going to be playing you a bunch of new music as well. We're going to be covering probably about you know, any, about a dozen songs that we're going to be covering some from brand new music from artists that you may or may not have heard of. Um, and we're going to be just, we're not going to be playing the entire songs. We're just playing you little snippets of the songs just so you can get an idea of what's out there. And this is one of the things that I've kind of been tinkering with for a while is trying to educate you on some new music that's out there that I think that you, that, that may fall into a, a category of, Hey, I, I think I like that. We're also talking about a lot of news as well. We're talk we're going to, we're going to go back into talking about the beautiful ones in depth, we're going to be digging into the New Yorker article that happened last week. We were going to talk about it last week, but there was so much to unpack there. There was a there was just a laundry list of things to unpack with that article. So we were going to be bringing uh, that to you, just really dissecting that article and bringing that what we were kind of talking about what we were right. talking about before. And on top of that, we were also going to be talk. We're t right now we're talking about the 1999 reissue slash remaster that everybody wants to know about. Everybody's like, what is going on? This is amazing. Five CDs and a DVD, or if you purchase the LPs, it's 10 LPs. 10, I don't even know how they're even going to package that. 10 and LPs don't get extra lovable. <laughs> yeah, 10 LPs and you don't get extra lovables. You get like five different versions of 1999. Uh, Cammy uh, says, uh, Dr. F, you know that song is about your, about your booty. Don't you lie? <laughs> yeah, well, that, 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 that's whoever I'm. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, so, yeah, now, so, go ahead. Let's, let's get on extra level. And 
you know, as he said, he thought if any art, other artist would have released this with that horn section, it would have been a top 10 hit. But then I brought up to him about people are upset that you didn't release the unreleased version. And this was in 2013, I believe we had this conversation at Paisley Park. And I brought up about the lyrics and rape. So I talked about the original version and how fans were upset that it wasn't out and that was the version they wanted, but I didn't think, you know, that a song mentioning rape in 1983 and when it, or when it was recorded in 81 would have been the proper way for it to be out now. What was acceptable in 1981 and 1982 in the recording process um, is no longer acceptable. And then, you know, this is it. You know, Prince, I had a notepad next to me. He wanted me to start writing stuff down and taking notes. Now, how many people get to have conversations with Prince and now I'm able to write down exactly what he's saying? And he talked about how certain tracks were, extra level was on the album. And he goes, just like 1999 wasn't on the album yet. 1999 ended up replacing Turn It Up, which is going to which is going to be the first track. Extra Lovable was replaced by DMSR. So you tell me, as funky as Extra Lovable is, if we have Extra Lovable on there, we don't get DMSR, and then DMSR becomes the unreleased track. But yes, uh, with Extra Lovable, it has lyrics of rape culture and other things that probably in this new Me Too movement in the world wouldn't exactly be acceptable. But I don't think there would have been as much controversy as it was, especially because... Prince's last official video that he shot was extra lovable and it's unreleased. And I really, really thought with this 1999 remaster that we were going to get the extra lovable video uh, along with that original version on there and we're not getting it. But you have Vagina on there. (laughs) True. Uh, (laughs) No, it's... And then, of course, yeah, we can fuck on the Purple Rain Deluxe. Um, it's it's pretty auspicious from it, but I understand why it may have been uh, unreleased still. And even though there was an updated, uh, you know, reloaded version of Extra Lovable, we're still not getting that original version. And it's just, you know, it's not going to be exactly complete. It's like a greatest hits album that's missing one of those greatest hits that you have to buy the other album for. You know what I mean? It's that the extra level isn't out there and we're not getting a remastered version of it, you know? Yeah. I, it's, it's a little bit kind of all over the map as far. I, I'm, I guess to me, I think that what is included on the second CD is a little bit, is kind of a waste of time really, in my honest opinion. I, I think that will be the CD that does not get listened to in my honest opinion. Uh, for those that kind of want to know what the track list is for uh, ex- for this 1999, uh, I guess, reissue, is a d- the Super Deluxe is what they're calling it. It mm-hmm. is going to be, on the first CD, is going to be the exact track listing that we all know and love. It's going to be 1999, Little Red Corvette, Delirious, Let's Pretend We're Married, DMSR, Automatic, Something in the Water Does Not Compute, Free, Lady Cab Driver, All the Critics, and then International Lover. And then all all that CD2 is going to be are basically seven inch edits of all those things, all those songs, with the exception of the inclusion of How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, which is on here, on Horny Toad, which is on here. 
and a video version of Automatic. Uh, it's also got Irresistible Bitch on here as well. So there is a few songs on here that are you know kind of worth listening to. But on the same note, we've already heard these on the the B sides of the hits. So they're there. But these are going to be, I guess, the remastering. Where it starts to get interesting, where it starts to get interesting is starting on CD3, which includes a lot of songs that were not previously released, and some of which uh, many people have not heard. Uh, Feel You Up, Irresistible Bitch, Money Don't Grow on Trees, Vagina, Rearrange, Bold Generation, Colleen, International Lover, the first take that was live in studio, Turn It Up, which was originally going to be where 1999 was, You're All I Want, Something in the Water Does Not Compute is on there, so I'm interested to see what version that is that's kind of uh, sitting on there, If It'll Make You Happy, and then How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, a second take. So right Right. out of the gate, you got a bunch of songs that a lot of people have never heard before. Most people have not heard, and I haven't even heard, I've never heard Vagina, Rearrange, or Bold Generation, or Colleen. I've never heard those songs. I think I've heard like a a snippet of Vagina. Somebody said, oh, you've played that on Funkatopia. No, I haven't. And I've never seen that. I don't don't know that I've seen that on, if I have, it's been one of those forgettable songs or whatever. Money Don't Grow on Trees. Uh, right. Yes, I, I've never heard a lot of these songs, so I'm really super excited about that. Which are uh, you're all I want? I don't know that I've heard that one either. Um, it's, there's, there's a couple. I mean, there is some stuff that some of the hardcore, like myself, are aware of. And I gotta say, if you guys haven't heard, if it'll make you happy yet, uh, make sure to wear some clean underwear the first time you hear it. This is really good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely a great great tune for sure. It'll make you happy. Is is pretty awesome. Matter of fact, uh, why don't we play a little excerpt of "It'll Make You Happy" if it'll make you happy since it's about to come out. Just give it just a second. Let's play if it'll just play a little clip of this song just so you can kind of get an idea of what you're about to hear. Hold on. Love it. That's a little bit. That's a little bit of a snippet of uh, if it'll make you happy. Yeah. Just a little snippet. That's all. We're just gonna play a little bit of snippet of that because it's coming November 29th. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of what you can expect. And I think we've we've probably slipped out. Turn it up here also. But you know, so that, that's CD three. That's CD three. Um, and and that's something in the water is probably the demo version that's been circulating for a while. But to have that on vinyl and hopefully cleaned up is gonna be amazing. To go right into. The, I know you want to get to the next disc, so let's go on for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then we're talking about CD four, the fourth CD, which is going to be Possessed, which uh, amazing, 
Delirious, the full length version of Delirious, which I don't, I don't know that I've heard that. Well, not a cleaned up version, obviously. Purple Music, Yeah, You Know, Moonbeam Levels, the 2019 remaster, No Call You, Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. It's probably definitely different from the one that you're hearing on Graffiti Bridge. Do Yourself a Favor, which most of you have heard on Jesse Johnson's album. Uh, don't Let Them Fool You, Teacher, Teacher, and then a tour demo of uh, Lady Cab Driver, I Want to Be Your Lover, and Little Red Corvette, the, th- the three of those songs together, which is obviously from a demo. Again, all songs that were previously unreleased, you've probably heard of. Those are among the more popular bootlegs that are out there that, you can, that you've heard, for sure. Um, I don't think there's anything on there that I have not heard. I- I've heard all those songs. Uh, CD3 is more interesting to me because there's a bunch of songs on here. There's like four or five songs on there that I have not heard. Um, but this one, I, I've heard all these. And and occasionally they they fall on the airwaves. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and then we got CD5, which is a live concert from Detroit at the Masonic, Temp- Masonic Temple Theater at the Masonic Hall Late Show, November 30th, 1982. Uh, which is a previously unreleased concert of live from Detroit, which is um, Controversy, Let's Work, Little Red Corvette, Do Me Baby. Uh, now, Do Me Baby on the live shows were was crazy. It was just way over the top. Very, very grooving. A lot of a lot of segues and a lot of breathing room. Uh, Head, Uptown, Lisa's Keyboard Interlude, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, Automatic, International Lover, 1999, and DMSR, all of which are from a live show uh, from Detroit from 1982. And then they close it out with a DVD. Um, I thought I said there was six. Uh, no, there's five. Uh, then there was, then there's a DVD, which is a live concert again from 1982, a little bit about a month later, December 29th, 1982 from the summit in Houston, Texas, which is almost the same track listing but it's kind of a little bit mixed up controversy let's work do me baby dmsr a keyboard interlude a piano improvisation how come you don't call me anymore lady cab driver automatic international lover 1999 and head and i'll be honest i mean i'm i i'm all about seeing that dvd and i'm also all about hearing another live concert i may have heard that show i've heard a lot of live shows but CD3 and CD4 of this collection are absolutely on my radar. I, all day long are those songs on my radar. Um, and I just, um, I think a lot of people are, I still don't, I can't wrap my head around how they're going to package 10 vinyl CDs. I just, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, it's going to be massive. Pricing, pricing, from what I understand, they said that, the pricing on the vinyl versions is going to be $249 is going to be the pricing on the 10 vinyl, the vinyls wow. and, and the DVD, 250 bucks. The CD wow. version that has the six CDs and the uh, DVD is going to be 70 bucks. So yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, it's, whew, it's a lot of money, so start saving your pennies now because, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of cash, but, man, I, if, you can buy, if, you can some, if you can buy the digital version, 
maybe a lot of people may actually save their dollars to actually buy like CD3 and CD4 from the digital version. If they even decide to even break it apart or allow you to buy it track by track from Amazon or something. You know, if you just were interested in just CD3 and 4, you know, you're still talking about, you know, almost 30, 40 bucks just by paying $1.29 per track to, to get those off. At that, at that point, you might as well go ahead and just buy the whole freaking thing. So, um, man, $250 for 10 vinyl CDs. They'll probably be purple, most likely, since these latest releases are, go are all coming out on purple vinyl. Um, Doc, thoughts? That price tag is ridiculous, but then a lot of the fans have been wanting something like this to where you're going to have that much on vinyl. So this is what it comes like. They want to make sure that there's a profit. For two hundred fifty dollars, is going to be a profit. With originals, we're seeing that it didn't exactly sell well, although it was some pretty uh, great material on there. <clears throat> so hopefully, they're going to see a profit with this, and they're going to test this out. And this may be the new model to where the deluxe editions are going to be pricier because they're understanding now the casual fan is not buying this record, you know, and that's just the fact of the matter that's the truth it's the hardcore so now they're catering to the hardcore but it's going to be a lot more expensive and of course with um this with the vinyl the deluxe edition with the cds you're going to be getting um liner notes that are going to include andrea swenson from the current uh david frick duff mckagan of guns and roses and Dwayne tudal that's going to be pretty cool as well that you're going to get that on there. And November 29th, it's Black Friday. So they're oh, making sure they're right. Out right around then. Uh, and you. Uh, that's, right. that's right. I forgot. Oh, Black Friday, of course. Well, you know, so all the money that I save is going to be gone on that one thing. <laughs> that's what, it's going to be that one thing. Because that's, I mean, my birthday was, was on the 18th. So the only thing I can think is that this makes perfect sense for me. Um, I just, I, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm looking so forward to this reissue. Uh, I can't even, yeah, I'm looking so forward to this reissue. You guys have any feedback, feel free to, uh, shoot us an email at shout at funkatopia.com. That's shout S H O U T at funkatopia.com. Uh, just send it there and we will read your, um, read your comments on the air. A lot of people have been feeding back about, man, that price tag is insane. It's just way over the top and uh, people can't really wrap their head around. Um, yeah. People can't wrap their head around that price tag. It's just a lot. But when you think about it, vinyl is, is way more expensive. And most vinyl that you're, you're getting is going to be, you know, 15 to 20 bucks per vinyl per just one, one disc, one LP. So, and you're talking about 10 of them. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's a, it's a lot. And you get a DVD on, on top of it too. And on top of that, there is a huge booklet that's supposed to be in it. That's got tons of rare photos on top of the commentary that you already mentioned, uh, right. a bunch of handwritten lyrics, all that stuff that you, you've talked about. I just, I, I don't see why people would not be willing to pay it. And I think to speak to what you were talking about as far as the casual consumer, I think that there are people out there that are that do the casual uh, 
I, I think this, this speaks to both of it. That's, that's what I was talking about before about why the deluxe editions work is because people that were fans of that particular album will actually go out and purchase that album to find out what else was going on. Maybe to expand a little bit on their knowledge of what they know about 1999. Here's some remastered versions of that. And also here's some new promo edits and maybe get a little bit more. If they really like the music of that particular era of Prince, they'll be able to experience quite a bit more. And I think that really speaks to the casual consumer and also the hardcore fans. And obviously that second, that well, actually technically that, yeah, I guess it would be. I guess it would be that third vinyl or that second CD is going right. to be that, or well, actually the third and fourth CD is going to be that. Uh, those are going to be for the hardcore fans. I just yeah. think that the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition was done was just done right. There were a little a couple minor complaints that I had about it, but outside of that, really, I think it was a it was really really well done. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I really didn't have a whole bunch of complaints, but I I think it was done really well. And I think this one is really hitting it out of the ballpark because granted that they missed Lust You Always, they missed Extra Lovable, they missed, they, they missed a couple of, of things that were in the mix. However, um, there are 35 songs <laughs> that were not previously released. So, <laughs> you know, it's I think it's kind of like, you know, shut up. <laughs> it's kind of like, here's 35 songs. You guys wanted to hear a bunch of new stuff. Here it is. Enjoy. You know, leave us alone type of thing. I, I, I think it really kind of right. speaks to it. Um, right. Uh, and of course, Mary Mary Johnson, she sends an email. She says, why can't they just give us the new music? I don't need 1999 again. I can see that. Because it's, I can well, see that. number I, one, Warner Brothers can only release stuff from the past. It would be Sony that's going to release the new stuff. And when the estate and everything is more, how do I put it? When the family is running things and other things are made more clear, you'll start seeing that new music come out. But for now, Warner's, and this is a Warner release, they can only put out the old stuff. And with Sony, they're trying to recoup uh, the money they've already spent by putting out these issues for albums that are out of print or were never in print on vinyl, such as Emancipation, such as Chaos and Disorder. And of course, having to put out Prelude to Gold because of the lawsuit going on with the gold experience and the most beautiful girl in the world. And that's another thing. I mean, not only do we have the book, not only do we have 99 the New Master, uh, not 99 the New Master, excuse me, but a remastered version of the classic album, which is what you guys want more than that. And you have these three vinyls coming out this week as well. Like, we're totally forgetting that. Um, you know, but yeah, that's why you guys aren't getting it. Is Warners can only release the old stuff, but you're getting a bunch of unreleased tracks. But I've heard that the exact same sentiment is they want the new music. And right now, like, things can't be so fragmented. And there's going to be some other things that are going to go on that are going to frustrate fans while this is being worked out. But we will get it. That's why me and Christopher, we're getting, you know, me and Christopher are getting in shape. We're going to have to take a new photo together because we're going to be a few hundred pounds lighter. I mean, I was wearing shorts yesterday. I think I almost gave everyone a show because they were just sliding off in public. Um, we we got we to gotta get healthy, y'all, because it may be a little bit of a journey for us to get that music. We got to stick together and uh, 
pull it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've I'm, I'm kind of been on a little bit of journey. I'm, I'm 15 pounds down in this journey, but I've got a long way to go. And I'm just, I, I went to a party this weekend and it was, um, or actually this week, and um, it was Karen Higginbotham's 60th birthday. Did a fantastic job. I've already, I threw up some pictures on uh, Funkatopia. I also saw a couple pictures of me floating around that other people had taken. And it was like a profile view, and I was like, "Nope, still fat, still got a, still got a ways to go." Uh, but you know, luckily the Facebook Live, you don't see anything from the, from the from the shoulders down. Uh, Anne Ng uh, sent a message and said he heard that there was a um, that there was an album that happened in between 1999 and Purple Rain that did not get released, and he wanted to know if knew, we knew anything about it. As far as I know, there was no such album. I know that there was an album called The Second Coming that uh, had pretty much, it was, I don't know there was really kind of any track list that was ever stated for that one. That one was from 1981, though, so that actually preceded 1999. And there were a couple albums, actually a few albums that were supposed to happen after uh, Purple Rain, which were um, actually technically not even after Purple Rain. It was actually um, after Around the World in the Day, which in 1986, there were supposed to be three different albums that were supposed to happen. The Dream Factory album was supposed to happen. Camille was supposed to happen. And Crystal Ball was supposed to happen. All three of those albums were supposed to be released, uh, and they never saw the light of day. But as far as I know, there was never supposed to be an album that happened in between 1999 and Purple Rain. And if there was... Uh, yeah, nobody knows about it, and it was just probably just something that was, you know, whatever. Uh, Tina Zilke sends an email and says, I myself am a completist. I just put my pre-order in, and so you have that. Um, Ethan Guzman Baron emails and said, Since we've had Purple Rain Deluxe and now 1999 Deluxe, what would be the next one to get the Deluxe treatment? Sign of the Times, Parade, Batman, Diamonds and Pearls, Around the World a Day. Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know that around the world in a day really, I mean, I think that there's enough unreleased material that occurred around that time period of, of around the world in a day. I, we're specific when you're specifically talking about around the world in a day and parade that particular time period, those were actually, we were talking about the, the unreleased albums that had occurred, uh, in that right around that around the world and the day parade area, which are, you know, which were the Camille and the, um, and the crystal ball, the original version of crystal ball and dream factory crystal ball was technically already released, you know, further down the line. But when you're talking about dream factory and Camille, those were two albums that should have been released, but they will not see a release, uh, as themselves because they are just a culmination, uh, with the, with the exception of just a couple of songs, they are actually just the track listings of Dream Factory are pretty much uh, from a little bit of Crystal Ball, a little bit of of Sign of the Times. I mean, you got a little bit of Last Heart and Witness for the Prosecution and Movie Star and stuff like that. But then there's a bunch of stuff from Sign of the Times that were supposed to be on Dream Factory, which are you know Dream Factory and um, uh, Ballad of Dorothy Parker, Strange Relationship, all that stuff. So um, I, I would say that if they were going to do a next deluxe edition, a next deluxe edition, I'm trying to, um, I would venture to say that maybe they might go to Parade, maybe, but if they get a lot of traction from this, I would not be surprised to see them jump to Sign of the Times just because of the criti critical acclaim of that album, how well received it was from the public. 
And on top of that, uh, if they make a lot of money and they get a good ROI on on these multiple disc uh, collections, right. they're going to do it again. And it's going to be it's going to be sign of the times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's an interesting theory and concept for sure. My main thing is because the sign of the times we all know it needs a remaster. It's in desperate need. Oh yeah. You know, just like I'm in desperate need of a new wardrobe since this stuff isn't fitting anymore. Um, <laughs> but I put it like this, you know, with with the rights to the film not being under Warner Brothers and them not to be able to put everything together right now, unless that changes. And of course, there's a new DVD in German, Germany coming out that I did the forward to that we discussed before, and that's coming out in a few weeks. What I believe is that the next one is going to be a parade uh, super deluxe edition. And not only will you get the parade album you get love or money and all these other tracks and a bunch of unreleased stuff that would that was recorded during that time period that, sh- that would end up on crystal ball or camille you're also going to get a couple pro shot dvds that i would imagine you're going to finally get that 86 birthday show in detroit <laughs> you're going to get uh the show that he did overseas i believe i want to say stockholm that was pro shot and there's a few there's about a 20 minute clip of online of that circulating that's been circulating for a while but you're going to get more of those things because there are certain things that have not been done even first avenue if they have a clean uh, version of that for that that can also be put on there so with sign of times with the movie being locked up in other deals so to speak and not owned by warner brothers i think that parade will most likely be the next one that'll be done in my opinion that's what i believe who owns sign of the times not not that's the whole thing is right now it's this german company and it's like it has different rights overseas because warners after under the cherry moon bombed they agreed for prince to do another movie but allowed him to market it to someone else and he marketed it to cineplex odeon which was owned by universal at the time so the rights to that were never under warner brothers from the get-go and it's not with universal anymore and cineplex odeon went out of business a long time ago so that's why you get these other dvd sets where the japanese version version was amazing and the sound quality and the visuals for the for that then you have this blu-ray coming out the german one then you had a canadian release which had great sound as well you haven't exactly had one in the u.s officially put out but it's not under warner brothers and the rights to that are not with warner brothers right now so unless they step up and purchase the rights to it we're not going to exactly get that set because then people are like well how come it's a sign of times deluxe edition but we don't have the movie with it that's not cool so we're going to get stuff like that and um that's why i think more with the parade they own the rights to everything and i think it'll be easier for them to put stuff out including live footage and also a live uh cd of one of the tours yeah, I think it would be interesting to see exactly what the next reissue would be. But for those of you just joining us, uh, welcome to Funkotopia Live. We, we are talking about the 1999 reissue and some of the track. We went over the whole track list about what's going to be on there, what's included, and the price tag, the staggering price tag of $250 for the 10 vinyl LPs uh, or 70 bucks for the CD version. 
no idea what the cost would be for the digital version. Um, I think that I would probably opt for the CD version at least. The vinyl version is very, very compelling. Um, but I something about having to walk over to the record player and flip the, the album over to hear the next song just doesn't really... I, I, I love having these collector vinyls. And I just read a news article that said that in 2019, it looks like vinyl is going for the first time since the 80s is going to surpass sales of CDs in 2019, which is shocking to me. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome, actually. I, I think that's great because I love the sound of vinyl. I love the, I love the warmth right. of vinyl. But uh, I think there's a lot of things that that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on there. Cammy just sent us an email and says, we are both handsome. <laughs> Thanks, Cammy. Appreciate it. Uh, I put money into her Zelle account now. Great. Right. Cammy, you checked in the mail. Uh, so, yeah, so that that's pretty much what we were talking about. Uh, we talked about the 1999 reissue, and obviously we're also celebrating with Dr. Funkenberry his 100th podcast is 100th episode is happening right now you're listening to his 100th episode so far going swimmingly i would say swimmingly we've had a few things that happen with live shows but that's why i like doing live shows is you just never know um yeah and want to thank fans for the journey again and um i'm not perfect i will never try to be um, I make mistakes, but we're all on this journey together. And um, I appreciate you guys for allowing me to be imperfect and be human. And um, just know that I appreciate that. Well, we we appreciate you being human. We, we, we appreciate your humanity. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's great. Um, which, obviously, let's let's do this. Why don't we play uh, a couple of tracks that I have set aside here. Not all of them, but I want to kind of handpick some of the uh, tracks. We we're going to talk about some new music. We're not going to play, like, all of the songs here. Uh, not the entirety of the songs, is more or less. But I picked out, like, a bunch of music that I thought was very, very interesting that I, I'm, I'm excited about. It's out now. It's available. And want to talk about some new artists and some new music, and then let's let's do a few of these, and then we'll come back, and then we'll talk about the beautiful ones book. We're going to go into a little bit more of a deep dive into the New Yorker article, and you have some stories that you want to share about uh, that piece, and you're going to do most of the talking on this because I know that you have a lot of thoughts and really spent a lot of time with that article and, and kind of digging deep into into what was what was said. And a little bit of perception about um, how he was chosen to be uh, the co-writer of this book and some of the processes and some of the personal meetings that took place uh, all the way up until his passing. And really powerful, powerful article. And uh, it's got a lot of stuff to, to un unwrap there. So we're going to go back to that and we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, depending on what your emails say, if you got a little bit of input, you can send emails to shout at Funkotopia.com. That's shout, S-H-O-U-T, at Funkotopia.com. Be more than happy to answer any questions and respond to any of your uh, queries and whatnot. Uh, the first thing I obviously want to do, I want to replay a little snippet of our guest from last week, Mr. Michael Gabriel, who was on the show last week. He is the guitarist for Sheila E., 
and he has got a brand new album that's supposed to be coming out in 2020, but he released a a single that we played that a lot of people were like, wow, that's really, really good. Can we hear a little bit more of that? And I wanted to make sure that for those that missed last week, we're going to play a little snippet here. Just I'm only going to play like about a minute of each one of these songs as I talk about them, uh, but I want you to... I want you to kind of hear because I think all the songs that I picked out are going to be falling within your wheelhouse if you're a Prince fan uh, or you like the kind of funk slash soul vibe. We've got uh, I've got a lot of great music here for you. Michael, by the way, is spelled M Y C H A E L, so it's spelled like normally, like you would spell Michael normally, but with a Y instead of an I. And this is a clip of his song. It's called Ghost in the Midnight. Again, the album releases in 2020, but this single is available now. You can find it in a variety of places. Let's take a little bit of a listen to Ghost in the Midnight. It's just a little snippet. Enjoy. in the midnight you can obviously he's got the single is available now you can take a listen to it he was a guest on the show last week if you want to hear that song in its entirety just tune in uh to last week's show and you'll be able to not only hear the entirety of that song well you can hear that song anywhere but if you want to listen to a little bit of background a little bit of his history you can tune in to last week's show where we had him on um let's see the next one i have is from Brittany howard who many of you know from alabama shakes yeah, and uh, she th- their story is really really interesting. I I, I found it. I, I didn't really think that Alabama Shakes was kind of in Prince's um, uh, genre of music that he was really kind of dug. But I think that he he likes the quirk. He likes the um, he likes it when artists have something interesting to market. And it's just a, a compl- something totally different that grabs somebody's attention because it's not just about the music because you can have fantastic music. But if you have nothing to back it up, you don't have personality, you don't have the look, you don't have something that's actually going to sell the visual, sell the live show, it, it's you know it, it really didn't grab his attention. He wanted the, the complete and total package. And Brittany Howard is just is, – she's just amazing. You know, I don't know how tall Brittany Howard is, but I, I've never met her. But I think she's, she's really tall. Um, and she's got a really distinct voice and, uh, every single show that the Alabama shakes did whenever they performed live, she would always wear something that 
that was a tribute to Prince, whether it was uh, a love symbol necklace or whether it was, you know, a Paisley tie or whatever it was. She was always, always, always repping Prince in, in their live shows, even if they never played anything live. And I guess Prince had invited them out to uh, play an event at Paisley Park. So she was just beside herself. It was just amazing opportunity for them. And I'm so, so glad about it. Uh, but in between albums, she's actually got a solo album that she is going to be releasing that's coming out, I think, in October, I think. Maybe October or November. And uh, she just released the first single off of this brand new album that's coming out. And it's called He Loves Me. And here is a little clip of that song, just so you can check it out. And in this particular album, from what I understand, is going to be more like a, a funk meets blues type of thing. So I'm definitely interested in hearing that because that certainly fits in my wheelhouse for sure. So here is a little clip of her brand new single called He Loves Me right here on Funked Up. Enjoy this. But we Christians are not ever intentionally Miss Church. actually probably should have let that song play through there's only like about like 50 more seconds left because it's a really short song so like two minutes and 30 seconds but man i am psyched about this album if that sound that just i love that off kilter beat and and flow and just she's just got a really really cool we'll play a couple more but that one again that was britney howard that single is available on all the services now uh we'll do a couple more and then we're going to start talking about the beautiful ones book uh so yeah. the next one i want you actually got an opportunity to speak with Liv warfield and she's got a brand new single out called mantra we're going to play a little bit about that um, why don't you kind of fill people in of about what she had to say about this album and, and what we can expect with what's coming up. Yeah. I know with, this, with, I know it's unprecedented. I didn't, I didn't warn you that I was going to do this. So, so my bad, but I, I think hopefully you remember some of the things that she had to say about this. Well, it's just right now it's just a single. Um, she is 
going to be doing some stuff and putting it out. Uh, she's going to be doing some stuff here in L.A. soon, and she is doing some other shows. But this is something that she's been working on for a while for the song Mantra where, with Ryan Waters. And it's just really cool because everyone has their own different mantras in life and other experiences. And she went through an epiphany as well of things to get to this point. But it is a really strong track, and I'm hoping that we get more uh, from Liv shortly. Um, I forgot that uh, my friend told me last year, Chris James, who's an engineer, was working on this project, so he have, he may have more info on stuff that we weren't able to get into. I haven't been able to touch base with Chris because he's really busy, I'm really busy, um, but we've been needing to hang out and discuss things. But Liv, this track is fire, and I look forward to more of her. It's great to see a professional video being put out for it as well. And... Um, I always um, want the best for people that I consider my friends. And uh, Liv is a great friend. And also just want to give a quick shout-out before we forget. Shelby J, happy birthday to you as well. That's a great friend, too. It's her birthday today? Yes. Oh, it's also Monty Moore's birthday today, too. So that's great. Wow, very cool. It's her birthday week. So it's like every day is her birthday. So just keep... <laughs> okay. But Shelby... She deserves it, man. She she's a sweetheart. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I can live. Yeah, let's let's play a little bit of the the song mantra from Live. It's a new single from her. You can actually see a video for it on YouTube, and obviously you can purchase a single and everything else. Here it is, a little clip of mantra right here on Funked Up. Enjoy this. Could it be with the eyes I see of the price I'm gonna pay to move on? While the river's deep, I'll swim to shore While I stand alone at peace a little clip of Mantra from Liv Warfield, a great, great new track that's on there. Uh, also, uh, let's might want to play a couple more. Um, let's play, uh, many of you remember, obviously, The Family. The Family was definitely one of those side projects of Prince's that was just breathtaking for sure. And it is uh, just, I, 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 it's one of my favorite albums by far of artists that Prince worked with, but on the same note, 
you know, had so many different tracks and whatnot. Sorry, I had to turn back on uh, his channel. Um, but this track is a brand new single from St. Paul Peterson, which is a song called Something in the Water. It is not Something in the Water Does Not Compute. It's a brand new single from St. Paul Peterson. Just happens to share the same name. Does not have in parentheses, does not compute. Essentially, the meaning of the song is that some people ask him on a regular basis exactly where the Minneapolis sound comes from and why that sound is so prevalent in Minneapolis. And his answer is it's definitely something in the water. It's a brand new single from St. Paul Peterson. You can certainly purchase it on any of the places that you purchase music or you can listen to it on Spotify, whatever it is that is your fancy. And here it is, a little snippet of something in the water from St. Paul Peterson. Here it is. Right here on Fucked Up. in the water from St. Paul Peterson, vocalist for the family, and he's obviously been doing the solo project for quite a while. And actually, the Petersons are a force to be reckoned with up in Minnesota. The whole Peterson family is just, I mean, they are part of the music history of Minnesota, even way preceding Prince. So he is definitely entrenched. Even if he never got involved with the family, you would have heard at St. Paul Peterson at some point in time, for sure. He just obviously got a little bit of a a little bit of a push from Prince and being involved in the family and everything that was going on there. Let's play one more and then let's talk about the beautiful ones. And uh, so I'll kind of give you a little bit of prep time for that. This one I've never heard. I've never heard about this person, and uh, she, I'm excited because this woman. I, I got an opportunity to hear a a private link. Uh, on SoundCloud of her entire album and it's really good. And it's just, it's a soul thing more than funk. Uh, and I believe the name is pronounced Myoa. It's M Y O a, but it's all capitalized. So I don't know if it's M Y O a and it's supposed to be an acronym. There's no periods in there. So I assume it's just Myoa. and the, it's her debut album, I guess. And I, from the minute I heard it, I was like, this could be something I'm, I think I'm interested in this. I definitely want to check it out. Uh, but it's a song called star power. I don't have a whole bunch of history on her or what she's about or where she's from or any of that. But, uh, this is kind of giving you a little bit of a sampling. Let's do a one, one minute or so sampling of Myoa. 
and the song Star Power, and then we'll break into talking about the beautiful ones and the new Prince book that's coming out. But for right now, let's take a little bit of a listen to the snippet of Star Power from Mayoa right here on Funked Up. Enjoy. Star power from Mayoa. I think it's a little bit. It's a little bit Chardet. It's a little bit. I. I don't. It's just. It's powerful. It's the whole album is like that. It's got that kind of a little bit of a clubby vibe, but still like the Chardet soul feel to it. I, I'm really excited about it. I've never heard of her, and uh, I guess their management sent me a link and said, "Please check this out," and I did, and I love it. I'm. I'm hoping to talk to her at some point because, man, what. What a voice, what a, she's got a really cool vibe. I got some other uh, songs that I will be playing once we kind of had this discussion. If we got some more time, I definitely want to play a little bit from Kofola, who is the, um, he was the keyboardist and also vocalist for uh, Federation of the Disco Pimp that you've heard on Funkatopia. Also a couple other artists, Jamie Arendt, Mayor Hawthorne, who many of you know from Mayor Hawthorne. He also plays in a duet, a duo called Tuxedo. Uh, Prophets of Rage, who many of you know, uh, you know Chuck D, and it's like a Chuck D Rage Against the Machine type of collab uh, that's kind of going on. Rich Brian also, uh, Super Superior, The Lionels. I've got like a bunch of different tracks that I can play. I'm just going to handpick some later on. But let's move and migrate. I hope you guys like that. Let me know if any of those songs speak to any of you. It was really, really kind of cool. Uh, let's see yeah. if we got any... Uh, Tina sent an email said, my daughter saw her on SNL. I think the Prince face earrings and found some and bought them for me. Who is she referring uh, to? Is she referring to live? Uh, yeah, possibly. possibly. Not sure. Not sure who she, who might, but anyways, so let's backtrack. We're going to be talking about, for, for those of you just joining us, welcome, welcome. We're, you're just tuned into Funkatopia Live. We are celebrating Dr. Funkerberry's 100th episode that he is doing right here where you are right now. Welcome to the 100th episode 
of Dr. Funkenberry's podcast, which just happens to be embedded with Funkatopia Live, which is, uh, we're, we're past 100, but that's okay. We wanted to at least be, at least host this special event for him. And in the interim, we're talking a little bit about some of that history, but we also talked about the new announcement just happened today not even 12 hours old about the reissue of 1999 we talked about the track list in depth in depth it was pretty amazing some of the stuff that is going to be on this cd we may revisit that if some people have some questions you can send it to shout at funkotopia.com that's shout at funkotopia.com just did a little bit of a segment if you just joined us where we are talking about uh, some brand new music that's out there that you may or may not be interested in i've kind of handpicked some tracks that i think that you guys will dig and i hope you guys dug some of them if you did let me know and then we also talked a little bit about the beautiful ones book from prince and we were going to talk about this last week as we mentioned before in regards to the new yorker article that came out and it was so so detailed and very long i mean if you printed it out it would probably be like about like six pages worth of stuff it's it's a lot of information and, and we kind of wanted we could have beat a lot of people to the punch because we happened to be online at the time the day that it came out but i think we wanted to spend a little bit of time unpacking it because there was so much information that most people just just kind of just breezed over and didn't really pay too much attention to and i you know i kind of want to give uh funkenberry i want to give you the reins on on this to start things off because i think you know you have some insight into a lot of things that were going on during his final days uh, you were there for some of his final days. I was there. For, I was there for some of his final days, as far as his performances were concerned in Atlanta, um, and also, you know, the few the years prior to that. But you were actually in, you know, in Paisley Park, you know, just just a couple of days before he passed. And on top of that, you may actually have you have some other insight as well that kind of ties into the New Yorker article. So I'm going to give you the reins on this to kind of you know speak to a little bit about what people are going to be able to expect from the beautiful ones and to, uh, once again, uh, unpack this New Yorker article a little bit. And I do appreciate it um, in a sense as well as I felt last week, if we would have talked about it, it would have been a little bit too emotional for me. I needed to kind of take a seat back on some stuff. So I thank you for that and for covering. Um, and it has mostly to do with the end of it. But of course, like with... Dan Piperbring, which we talked about earlier, writing the New Yorker article is writing was writing the book with Prince was chosen by him. You know, just like you know, one of the things that you know he talks about, like he got picked up by Kim Pratt, which we would all refer to her as the you know the lady cab driver, the lady limo driver for stuff. She was the one that gave me the rides to Paisley over the past couple of years, and then you know how. You know, he was picked to do the book, but also Prince was said he was like, you know, I really would like to have some bloggers help out. And I know that that was kind of a reference to me in a sense, just because me and Prince have had the conversation in person together of writing a book together. And of course, ever since then, people have been bugging me wanting to know when I'm going to write my book. And uh, we've had that discussion before. Um, but so I was like, okay, that's kind of cool that it was talked about with Dan and probably a couple others as well that do stuff. Now, 
just to see Princess process how he chose him and how even when he was doing the party, the release, the announcement in New York of um, when they were going to be putting it out, he still didn't have the contract signed yet and wanted to know about the money and getting it right. And the whole thing about that if he wanted the book pulled at any time, that they'd have to pull it off the shelves or make it out of print. That, you know, in two years' time, if he just decided, okay, I don't like this anymore, whatever, you pull it. No more in production. It's just interesting that he wanted to do stuff like that. And then other things that he talked about with transcendence, um, you know, just certain notes they talked about with his dad. Like, I thought I'd never be able to play like my dad, and he never missed an opportunity to remind me of that. You know, but he got along good. He was my best friend. Just all the all this stuff that's like an insight to Prince. And, of course, it's going to be the younger Prince because we never got him to go past those 50 pages. And, you know, how do I put it? And then to have him not only like the whole thing of, uh, you know, him meeting him and him, Prince picking him to be the one to do the book, I didn't know that he went to Australia for those shows. And then Prince, you know, Kirk Johnson, who was uh, with him at that time, with Prince traveling, you know, just Prince gave Dan a call to say, like, tonight's going to be a very emotional night. I want you to see the show. He didn't tell Dan that he just learned shortly before showtime that Denise Matthews, a.k.a. Vanity of Vanity Six, passed away. And as we have been finding out over the past three years, Vanity was probably one of his biggest inspirations of all time. It's, you know, it can be that the beautiful ones was inspired by Vanity and then other things. And then here it is. That's what he chose to name the book. Interesting enough how things play out. So probably one of Prince's greatest muses passed and that performance in Australia was quite emotional. They talked about certain other things. I know a lot of fans from Australia were kind of, you know, kind of shocked by the article, like touched them in different ways. And I love how Prince was always trying to feed Dan. He's always trying to feed me too. Um, but it's just like, just talking about how you can see someone smile through their eyes and he brought that up because there was someone that brought that up to Prince earlier in the night. We don't need to go into details of who it was, so then it affected them that this stuff's coming out. But Dan's memory is really quite on point with a lot of stuff. And being able to just have these notes, whatever he did to remember to remind himself is a blessing. Um, they were able to get it. So these emotional Australia shows, you know, and all these things going on. And Dan was be, was able to be there for it. Then we're just going to kind of like fast forward a little bit to where after you saw him in Atlanta and he sounded absolutely amazing. You wouldn't even think that he was sick or going through stuff, right? Well, and one of the things I, I what I noted about in this article was one of the things that actually made me catch my breath was in the New Yorker article, he said, I later learned from an aide that Prince was in the habit of reading the reviews of his shows that fans tweeted or posted on their blogs. So these were the people he felt deserved the collaborator job, not the high-profile prof candidates fl floated by the publisher. One of the reasons why that um, made me catch my breath was 
that was the last tweet that he did about Funkatopia. And matter of fact, um, if you go to his Twitter account, which they've now moved to PRN Legacy, at PRN Legacy on Twitter, uh, used to be at, at Prince, now it's moved to at PRN Legacy. If you go to that Twitter account and you count back 12 tweets, it was one of the last dozen tweets that he did was to link to the full show review of the 7 o'clock and the 10 o'clock show that I did for Prince Piano and a Microphone. And that was the last time that he tweeted about, that was the last time that he tweeted about Funkatopia. And wow. so when I read, when I read that, I was just like, okay, so, cause I remember where I was in that space because I just got back from that show that night and it was like already, it was after midnight and I was like, I got home. And I said to myself, do I, do I sit down and I write this while it's fresh on my mind? I have everything written down. I have, I, you know, uh, maybe I should just wait until the morning. You know, that's, maybe that's what I do. I'll just wait until the morning and I'll, I'll write it then. But then as I'm like halfway up the steps, I come down the steps and I was like, you know, no, I, I need to write it right now. I need to write it while it's on my mind, while it's still fresh, while I'm still buzzing, and, um, you know, buzzing in a good way, you know, not, not from anything, you know, not from alcohol or anything else. It was just, I was just floating at that point because it was just such an amazing show. And I think right. that that came through in the way that I wrote it. And then the very next day is when he tweeted about it. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I literally, I, I just, I couldn't breathe for a second. And then when I, I, I flashed back to that moment when I read this and I was, I, I was just imagining him sitting behind the computer reading that post. And every now and then, probably about a couple times a year, I'll go in and I'll reread that post to kind of imagine him reading that. And I'm like, oh, that's a grammatical error. Should I fix it? Nah, he, he read it. He read that grammatical error. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it like it is. Um, and it was just... So when I read things like that, to know that he was really in tune and that he was really paying attention to us, to people like yourself and people like me that were actually doing this, you know, really to help to, to, to carry on his legacy, even when he was with us, it was just more solidifying and making sure that, that people knew that what he was doing or make sure that he knew that what he was doing was being appreciated by us. And that he was actually, he was physically reading it. He was sitting there in front of a computer reading it. And it was just, it's, that really just kind of completely caught me off guard. But yes, as you said, for the Atlanta shows, it just sounded like, and I said this last week, it didn't sound like he was under the weather. It didn't sound like he was in a in a place of, you know, I, I'm recovering or whatever. He, he sounded at the top of his game. He was flowing. He was in the zone. He was walking around the stage. I mean, obviously he had his cane, but you know, every time he would get excited, he would push that piano bench back and he'd walk around the stage and he'd, you know, like he was just like, I can't believe you guys are taking me here, you know, and he'd just sit back down and he would go at it. And it was just, it was just magic on that. It was such an amazing show to witness. And, uh, yeah, so that, that really kind of spoke to, and one of the questions that I had for you, and I, I don't mean to derail your thought process, no. but one of the questions that I had for you was that when he started this, I think it said early in the article, one of the things that he said was, is that he wanted this to be one of the greatest music books of all time. 
Do you think that this is, I, I just don't feel like without his involvement, this is going to get where his vision is. I think it'll be a great book, but I don't know that he's going to be able to complete Prince's thought process and get to the vision that he had for this. You're right. You're right. It's different. And the thing is, is that, you know, Prince wanted to write multiple books, not just this one. He wanted to have a book to where he would be teaching someone how to play music. And if they, and it would, the book would come with an instrument, basically. Or you not with an instrument, but you'd have to learn how to play something, like a Sly and the Family Stone song, and then the next chapter or something um, awaits you, that you can't get past it until you learn how to play something. So he was, whether this was going to be something that was going to be a CD or a track or whatever, but he had these things in his mind of certain things that he wanted to do, and he seemed very excited about it. So obviously we're in a world now where he isn't here, so things are going to be different, and this being one of the greatest music books, I think you got to understand, like, I got a good feeling from Dan. He's going to do his best to make sure that this book is just great. Unfortunately, we're not going to get up to 2007, but it's going to focus a lot on his upbringing and other things. And that's a thing that Dan and him touched on was Black Lives Matter and that Prince had to deal with a lot of racism going up. I mean, I think at that time that he was growing up as a kid, that Minnesota was like 1% black, you know? And then, of course, he reaches statuses to where no one black or white could ever imagine. And then here it is. We live in a world now to where uh, you got to have stuff like Black Lives Matter. And that was making fun of the whole thing about All Lives Matter. You see what it is and all those points. And I felt it was very poignant uh, for him to do and to bring up and to understand the relevance of it, that he was still in touch with stuff and he wasn't happy that stuff that he had to deal with as a child was now coming back to the forefront. And those things are important. And hopefully Dan is able to touch on that more in the book than just in the article. Uh, But how do you you think that he's going to get to that? This is a white guy. Uh, How do you think that he's going, I mean, we all, understand we all understand the the racism problem that we have in in this country it's it's so prevalent and such a massive thing but it's also as a white person and for a white person it's very very difficult to speak to that when you have not experienced it in that way and i'm just kind of curious because there's a lot of things that you know prince made a lot of decisions based on a, a lot of times who he worked with based on based on their life experiences and you know again the whole black lives matter movement I mean, he would only do he typically preferred to do shows uh you know people you know, minorities you know he would do rosie's show he would do george lopez's show he would do arsenio's show he would do you know and then on the same thing uh, you know on the same side of things a lot of the decisions that he made were based on that so I'm kind of curious as to how, uh, I guess, because there's a lot of capable writers that are out there, a lot of capable, let me rephrase, there are a lot of capable black writers that are out there 
that are probably looking at this situation and going, you know, considering all the decisions that he made up to this point, this is kind of a curious one, considering that this was going to be the autobiographical book that was going to be co-written by a white guy. So uh, how, well, do, how do you think how do you think that he's going to get to this? Is how he think he's going to address some of the things that that Prince feels like he needs to address? I mean, I, I mean, he's a great writer, but how do you properly communicate it from a place of simple, <laughs> simple? I mean, really simple. Just use his words. Don't put your opinion in it. Don't do anything. Anything that Prince discussed when it comes to stuff like this and what he had to deal with as a youth, use his words. Don't put your own opinion on it, and it'll be fine. Take it at face value. Well, I mean, but he, he only he wrote he only wrote fifty pages, so there's probably a lot right, of that. But the that thing he does is, not have words. There's there's a possibility. Well, yeah, he's still got lots. Yeah, there, there's lots of things that he's there's right. lots of articles and interviews and things that he's oh. done that he's, they're going to be well, pulling from. I'm sure. Not just only that, that they were concentrating on Prince as a youth. And that's why the photo that was chosen is not one of my favorites. But the reason that the photo was chosen is because it's dealing with the young prince and all this other stuff. Because those 50 pages are going to talk about his relationships with his mom, with his dad, with Tycho, with Omar, with Alfred, and all these things. So there may be things where he had to deal with um, as a kid, just like, you know, where he talked about some kid at the schoolyard called him the N-word and he knocked, you know, he gave him a punch and they ran away. You know, um, there could be some things in the book that we're just not aware of. We're going to have to see. But if it does come up in the book, as long as you're using his words, it should be fine because it is his autobiography. Yes, we're only getting 50 pages, but that may or may not be included in it. We don't know yet. But for Dan to mention in a New Yorker article makes me think that there may be something a little bit more deeper inside there that we're not aware of. We'll see if I'm correct on that, though, after the book comes out. Well, and I'm also curious as to whether or not his, you know, these 50 pages are going to be 50 pages in succession. Like, just to say the, the book is 500 pages long. And the first 50 pages are Prince's and the next 450 are, are Dan's? Or, or is it, uh, are those are there going to be pieces from those 50 pages that are going to be all over the book, you know, taken out, you know, I guess it depends on how he wrote it and what timeline that he wrote it in and whether or not pieces can be extracted and placed elsewhere in the book. I would hope that's the case because then it's, you know, I, I don't know. And, and on top of that, do you indicate in there, this was written by Prince or do you like, like Dwayne Tudal did in the Purple Rain Era studio sessions? Do you make it where it's bold and italicized? You know, where wherever he, when the comment or the, the quote came from him, it's italicized, it's bolded, and you know that this is the part that he wrote. I think that would obviously take, it kind of takes the focus away from the flow of the book, but I just wonder how they're going to, you know, handle some of this. But one of the questions that I had, more importantly than anything else, is I would really like to see what the paper was or what the because he asked that each one of the writers submit uh, I guess some type of essay or something as to why they felt like they were a good fit for this for this book I would like I would like to see what it was that he wrote because even after reading this whole entire New Yorker article I really don't have any type of perception as to his background in into you know how how long he's been a Prince fan how you know what 
what his history, not that probably I don't want to know because it's probably nowhere near as excessive or in-depth as yours or mine. So I guess if he probably shared that, we may end up being a little bit jaded. It's like, why is this guy writing? He doesn't even know anything beyond Purple Rain or whatever it is that he's going to be delivering. But on the same note, I just don't know anything about this person. And I think this is kind of where some of my reservation comes in. I'm going to get the book. I mean, there's no way around it. I'm going to get this book just because of the completest in me. But on the same note, I just don't know anything about this guy. He may be the greatest dude in the world. I've never read any of his previous work. Uh, but I just don't know what his history was with Prince. And I'm really interested to see what that what was in that paper. What, what, did, you, what did you hand to Prince that he read it? I mean, the only thing that he indicated that was that what he wrote in the paper was very flowery and very praiseworthy. You know, it was just like kind of praising him and kind of a little bit over the top in that regard. But I would imagine yeah. that I might imagine that everybody that submitted something probably did something very, very similar. So I, I wish I could see that paper. I really would love to see it. And maybe Dan will share in another article. Hopefully the New Yorker article will not be the only thing he does. Um, I'm hopefully that'll be shared. I know Prince gave him a little bit of a hard time about it. Like, why did you say that? Don't say that. So it's just it's just funny. But it's like I said, I'm like you, and I wish you were able to. I did meet Dan, and just in the conversations that I had with him, um, it seems like he's coming from the right place in it. And he didn't exactly, he had no, he hasn't written a book before. He did op-eds and other stuff for the New Yorker. And that's where it's coming from on it. So yes, I agree with you. I'd love to see what he wrote. Obviously not have it be in the book, but another separate article. Or hopefully if Dan is listening, he can come on the show and we can both interview him and we can discuss that with him because I would love to do that. Um, so that's an idea as well. Dan has kind of disappeared off the face of the earth um, when the publishers were changed a little bit ago. So um, that's how we go into it of stuff. Just keep stuff in Prince's words when it comes to that specific thing. And everything should be gravy. And well, you know what? Here, here's here's another thing too that that you know I was kind of I was kind of flowing through some things, and you know some of the things that he had to say in in other pieces um, were 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 did not really align a lot of things with what Prince stood for. I mean, like I, I, I'm looking at an article that he did supposedly again that was in it was in the New Yorker. Uh, regarding uh, Chick-fil-A, I guess, you know, during that whole entire scenario where they had, you know, refused to serve gay people or whatever it was that was. And I'm looking at people saying, I was honestly astounded that New Yorker actually printed Dan Pippenberg's brings a bigoted and downright ignorant attack piece on Chick-fil-A. It's like people are calling him bigoted and ignorant. And it's just, look, I am all about it. I think that Prince did his due diligence. I'm sure that he did not make his decision lightly, especially with the vision that he has of, um, and what I'm, what I just read was from the Washington examiner. Uh, just so you know, you could actually do a a search on him and and find all kinds of interesting pieces that are very, um, kind of toe the line on a lot of different things. Uh, not a lot of things that, that, but again, I'm sure that Prince did his due diligence in in picking Dan. But I, I would really like to have him on the show because I'm, 
this is not an attack on Dan at all. Um, because if I have to base my decision on what I'm reading in this New Yorker piece on what he did about the beautiful ones, I, I, I seem like I'm down because the way that he communicates the conversations and the meetings that he had with Prince and um, just some of the flowery verbiage that he uses that, that kind of, you know, helps to kind of take you along the journey as you know some of the meetings and stuff that were going on. Uh, it, it definitely sucks you in for sure. But when you look at a lot of his past work and a lot of the things that he's done over the past three or four years, a lot of it has not been received very, very well. Um, so I would imagine that this is, this has got to be weighing very, very heavily on Dan. And at this point, if the book's coming out in October, it's done now, right? It's already done. It must be going through maybe yeah. an editing process. So it's done. Right. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment until I actually read it along with everybody else. Um, yeah. But uh, I may have to order the digital version like the Kindle version so that I can get a little bit of a jump on the paperback folk uh, so I can kind of burn through it and just, you know, and then do a, a review of it. But, you know, um, you had talked a little bit about, and I kind of want to get, I wanted to address the author part of this and, and Dan. Uh, again, I do not know him. You've had the opportunity to actually meet him and talk with him. I would love to reach out to him and talk with him and kind of just and ask him to come on the show and just, and just kind of give me a little bit of background about who he is and, and kind of, you know, he's a journalist, so you you have to expect that they're going to do some pieces that are totally designed for shock value and eyeballs. I get that. We do we we. I did it in the past. I did it in the past to my chagrin. <laughs> I was because a lot of times whenever I would do, if I did it like an overly glowing review of anything that Prince touched, like Third Eye Girl or anything like that, he would always tweet about me, or he would always Facebook post about it, or you know he would always do something. And I think uh, during the past, I, I don't know, probably the last five years of his life, he probably tweeted and Facebooked about Funkatopia probably about a dozen times, which which was unnecessary and totally uncalled for and I undeserved <laughs> totally honest. But every single time that I said anything even remotely negative, like for instance, the article I did about how to kill your marketing in two easy steps. That was like one of the posts that I did that was talk. This was like during that whole scenario where he was suing the fans for posting pictures and stuff like that. Um, I, I was very agitated by that. And so I, I created a blog post to kind of address that because I thought it was, it was annoying to me that somebody would, would try to stomp on the very, very people that are trying to help him. You know, a, a mother shooting her video, a shooting a video of her kid dancing around the kitchen to one of his songs. And he's like, take that down. That's just insane to me. That's insane to me. And so I went, you know, so I did the post and guess what happened? He went dark on me for like four months. So, so I get it. I, I, I know. Well, it, it, he was so pissed about that, by the way. <laughs> he, was, he blamed Universal for it. Because, you know, Prince wanted his stuff taken down. But there's just some stuff you got to let go. And Universal went after it hard. And then it created this whole thing. And then Prince looked like the bad guy. He was so pissed 
I can tell you that's one of the many reasons when his publishing contract with Universal Music Publishing ended, he did not resign with them. He was not happy about that baby video to Let's Go Crazy. Yeah, it's it, it is what it is. But I but I let's put that aside. I'm going to try. We will reach out to Dan and see if we can get him on the show. We we've had some pretty good luck reaching out to folks and getting them to kind of. Uh, you know, contribute. And I think with the marketing of this book coming up, we, we probably got a good shot at, at getting him to kind of come on and, and talk about it a little bit. Uh, so I, I think we got a good shot at that. However, I do want to talk about some of the other things that were going on. Like for instance, the, the meeting that he had where Prince had already pre-written, handwritten uh, a lot of content and some of the things that he was kind of going through, Dan was going through reading some of his uh, handwriting and uh, just kind of, you know, taking it all in and kind of beginning a better understanding of who he was and what direction that he wanted to go with the book. But you had mentioned that there were some personal components that had been going on between you and um, you and Prince that kind of uh, married into some of the things that he was talking about in this article. Can you speak a little bit about to that? Just, you know, that he felt that you know, as bloggers or whatnot, or whatever we want to refer to us as, that we understood him a little bit more and we got it more so than, say, someone, uh, Dan off the street. But I think Dan in time learned things. That's what made it, made it be done. But Prince, obviously, a publisher is not going to um, hire a blogger to write a book about Prince with Prince. It's just not going to happen. You know, Prince was wanting me to do a lot of things. Like, he wanted my spreecast. He wanted me to hook up with Access Television, and I was trying for their Access Live show, who was hosted by um, a friend of mine that I met at an interesting at Thanksgiving dinner uh, that we were having in town, uh, Johnny LaQuasto, who now works for NXT, which is uh, WWE's uh, World Wrestling Entertainment's Developmental League, um, which is pretty awesome. But he was hosting on Access Live, and Prince wanted me to hook up with him and have us be co-host on some stuff. So I was trying to get in with Access Access TV Live. Um, and Anthony Malzone, interesting enough, was one of the people that was on the Access TV board and was wanting to work with me. And Anthony Malzone is the person that um, worked on Lotus Flower, the designs and the website and other stuff and the set designs for some of the touring dates around that time and some really, really great art. And Anthony was still working with Prince later, later in life as well. Um, but as hard as I was trying to get uh, the deal with access. Anthony really wanted to have a deal in place with Prince and then that way I get hired. And so I tell Anthony, you know how it is with Prince. If I get the job, then he'll do the stuff because what, what they were going to do is, is that they were going to give him like over an entire summer, they go live from Paisley Park every Friday night and showing Third Eye Girl perform and other acts perform and then other stuff that he had from the vault that he wanted to put out. So these were things that were being discussed. But again, Prince wanted me to be able to get the contract on my own with access and then he would make the agreement on his own. However, since that 
that couldn't be done to where there's no way that Prince is going to go, okay, okay, man, okay, doc, um, yeah, sure, let's get the, get the contract signed for you and for me as well. I had to be in there first. And he was trying to get me to do stuff with Sirius uh, Radio as well for him. But that's how it worked. But it's just so funny because Prince would tell me all the time, use my name to open up doors for you. It's okay. Like, do it. I don't mind. You know, I trust you, which was really cool for him to say. But this is what I mean is so just with us being able to talk about other things and trying to make things happen, um, you know, this is it, just like with the books. And I wanted him to have a book, multiple books that were thick like Frank Sinatra books where, you know, Sinatra, a lot of books that are written on him are from the beginning of his career till from, her t- from here till eternity. But a lot of Sinatra's major success was after From Here to Eternity when he won the Oscar. And he had a great second half career. But that's never covered because of how thick these books would be. And these books for Sinatra were close to 900 pages, dealing from the 1920s to around the mid-1950s. But you're leaving out all the number one albums and all the other stuff he did and fought for his masters and started the Reprise reprise record label. it doesn't have any of that from, you know, the mid-50s throughout the 90s when he was still doing duets and making number one albums with associated artists, or not associated artists, but with other artists like Bono and whatnot, and was still being relevant. So we wanted books to be that thick on Prince because I felt he deserved it, that he shouldn't be the Purple Rain guy. And of course, because he isn't here anymore, that's what this book is, is that we're getting up to the Purple Rain story, but I'm hoping further on, although it won't be an autobiography, that we can discuss the other great things that Prince did after 1984, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, it was really what's considered to be, I think I'm going to have to restart this sentence like four times now, but the way that he proposed this book to Dan one of the things he kept saying is that I want a book that's able to be passed around from friend to friend. And he kept referring to like Richard Linklater's movie waking life. And he said, I want it to be, I want it to be books like miles Davis autobiography or uh, John Howard Griffin's black like me. And so he wanted a book that was very definitive in a way and I honestly don't know whether or not Miles, well, I guess Miles' autobiography, it was when he was alive. So there was quite a bit that was in there uh, that Miles actually had his hand in. And But one of the things, a common theme that he kept bringing up over and over and over again, all surrounded, throughout this New Yorker article, all evolved and surrounded around racism. That, that was obviously a... a Definitely a thorn in his paw for sure. He, he, he brought it up multiple times. He brought it up when he was talking about uh, watching TV and he said it was one of his former employees and uh, she was mentioning on TV that it was her God-given duty to preserve and protect his unreleased material in the vault. And he said something, you know, how does that sound? That sounds like somebody I need to call the police on. How is that not racist? And then he's talking about how Warner Brothers didn't even consider him to be uh, a, to be president of Warner Brothers, that they never even considered him to be uh, 
you know, President Worthy, because a black person couldn't, shouldn't ever be considered for that position, that it was very, very racist. And uh, it was just talking, it was just on and on. It was the word racist and variations of racist, racism, and race relations was all through this article that he kept bringing up to Dan over and over and over again. And I really feel like, now obviously there was a point in the article where he says, can I write a book that solves racism? And he says, what do you think racism means? And it was just, it was just a lot of references to racism in this article, which just denotes to me, the only, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this was something that was very, very heavy to Prince. I feel like Prince really wanted to, I feel like this was something that Prince really wanted to deal with. He really wanted this issue addressed and he wanted it to be addressed in the context of his autobiography. So it's not just about music. It's about his life and it's about everything that he's dealing with, everything that the black communities are dealing with. And he just wanted this book to really be all encompassing. And the fact that he keeps referring to wanting this book to be able to be passed from generation to generation and passed around as like a tome of sorts is just, it's just such a massive undertaking. I think that his vision that he had for this book and everything that he wanted to address that all the things that were really huge convictions to him were really, he really wanted to express a lot of things in this book and really kind of put a lot of things to rest and his perception of things and society. He wanted to put all that stuff to rest. Everything that he wanted to address, he really wanted to put in this book. And my hope is, is that Dan got that message. I assume that he did because he definitely reflected on all of those moments that he brought those, those topics up. Uh, in the article, so I, I'm 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 just hoping it's just such an uphill battle. It's such a I, I can't imagine the undertaking that this book must have been for him to be sure that he gets to at least even a, a sliver of what Prince had envisioned for this book and some of the topicality, because it doesn't sound like most of it was going to be about music. It was going to be more about his personal journey. It was going to include music, obviously, but I think it really has to do, it was more society focused. And I, I hope that this book is a good balance of all those things that's going to speak to, speak to all people. It's going to speak to musicians. It's going to speak to community. It's going to speak to society. It's going to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this book, but I, I'm just, I'm really have a lot of reservations because what he had envisioned for this book is very weighty. And I just hope that he was able to communicate a lot of it within those 50 pages that he actually physically got to write. Because if he didn't, then it's going to be up to Dan to communicate those pieces. And I just, don't know that Dan can get to that. So I know it's kind of a long way around to get to what I'm talking about, but but, but when you look at everything that he pointed to as things that he felt like needed to be addressed, it's, you know, I hope I'm communicating myself correctly and, and well enough and eloquently enough to kind of, 
communicate the weightiness of what I think that his vision was for this book and more so that Dan can get to that vision because it is, it's, it's a pretty massive undertaking for sure. Right. And then going after the Atlanta shows when the plane went down and I was at Paisley and, um, you know, he played the Atlanta show and he sounded amazing. And of course, Prince was saying, oh, he want, he's going to put that out, that it's such a good show that he's going to put that out. Let's be honest here. Prince was saying that because it gets people to stop talking about the plane going down and what may have happened. And I wanted to come out as an official release, a soundboard release, and I do think that it should in time. But that's why he said it. Um, and he brought me there, you know, as he said, he wanted to celebrate how great the Atlanta shows were and the great weather in Minnesota for April. It was pretty warm that day. And of course him coming out, um, and saying that him coming out in a leather jacket around midnight when it was really warm was pretty funny. But, um, I want to touch base on some stuff because I feel like I owe, the fans and apology and things. So the thing that Dan was talking about, that he had a conversation with Prince on Sunday. This is the day after the party, and we'll go back to the party. But he wanted Dan to know that he was okay, that it was just the flu. He hasn't been feeling well. Now keep in mind, that's what I was being told to. So here it is. Prince wanted everyone to know that he's okay. So, after leaving Paisley Park Saturday night... Pause. Did, did you believe that? I know it's what you were being told and what everybody was being told. Did you believe that? Do you, did you believe that a plane was brought down for flu-like symptoms? Well, the thing is, is that we didn't know the information that we knew on Monday when other stuff was being put out on TV and other places. All we heard was Prince's story. So after after the event at Paisley ended, I went back to my hotel room with my friend Christina. And um, all she would say is, is that he's not well. Something's wrong. He's not well. And we had to talk for a few hours because I go, what do I do? He brought me here because he wants everyone, he wants people to think he's okay. And of course, you know, I'm like, he's saying it's the flu. And she's like, it's not the flu. It's something else. I do think that he had the flu, but he was dealing with something else. So I had to think long and hard for days. Not only this conversation with Christina for days, He wants me to tell everyone he's okay. And we're just kind of like in the hotel. He's going to get help, right? Whatever he's going through right now, he's going to get help, right? So that's what we thought. Although, let's be honest, um, when they were calling me out there and Purple Pam to DJ, um, they should have already had a doctor on the way. And well, they, they would have, they would have, but apparently the doctor that they called was not available. So they ended up having, calling his son and it ended up being like a, a big scheduling snafu. Yeah. They and, didn't and, call his 
until later. If they maybe would have called him when they called me out on that Saturday, who knows? So here it is. Um, I think it was like my third podcast. We let Prince know that we were doing this and he was going to have some involvement and I was shorting the name from Dr. Funk and Mary to Dr. Funk. And we had logos and everything printed up. He was aware of everything. So here it is. Um, I'm telling the fans not to worry that he's okay and he wants everyone to know he's okay. And then within 48 hours of that show being published and being brought up, he was no longer here. And over the weeks when I was defending him, when I was doing other stuff, there'd be a few fans that I knew that I met in person that would kind of poke me like, oh, are we supposed to believe that just like he was okay? Like he told us that he was okay. And I, this is on social media, so I went, fair enough. And it hurt. But what was I supposed to say? Like he wanted me to let you guys know he's okay. So I was trying to protect someone that saw me as a friend. So this is what I mean by apologizing to the fans. Because I was trying to protect my friend and I thought that he was going to get the help that he needed. So when reading that article and reaching out and reading when Prince reached out to Dan, I felt a little bit more of that weight that's been getting lifted off of me, lift fully. Because here it is, he's even telling Dan, I'm okay, it's just the flu. Lying to Dan, lying to other things. But we all thought that he was going to get help. So if the fans want to blame me for trying to protect someone that we thought was going to get help, and just imagine, like, would have my words, if I would have done the podcast, I go, oh, he's not well. Would that have helped the situation? Would that have helped anything? And those are things that I have to think about every day and that I have to live with. Um, but it's just so crazy. Like I said, how amazing he sounded in Atlanta and he was dealing with this stuff. And I do, like I said, I do believe he did have flu-like symptoms, but I do believe there was something else going on that we weren't aware of. And right now it's kind of a mystery. I don't know if you can say someone had an accidental overdose when there was like so much in there in that fentanyl and those pills that were labeled wrong and wherever he got them from. <sighs> yeah. I don't, you know, when we, when we talk about, we kind of forward to, um, you know, his passing. And I know it's just, I know it's tough on you to talk about it because, you know, you were, you know, close personal friends with him and, and, um, you know, I, I was not personal friends with him. I got, an amazing opportunity to meet him a few times, but um, it's still very, very tough for me to, you know, process. I mean, it was definitely one of, it was, many people have died and there's only been three so far in my life that have made me cry. One was a good, good friend of mine. One was my grandmother and one was Prince. And I, you know, so I get it. I know where the pain is, but in the, the reality is that we're never going to get, we're never going to get an answer. I mean, cause the, Prince was not 
stupid, especially if it's something, you know, if it's a drug that he regularly takes, I regularly take uh, tramadol every now and then just because of, I have a, right. I have a dis- decompression issue on my back and it's always been an issue, but I know when I put a pill in my mouth, what it tastes like, what it feels like. And I, 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 I know what it is. And, right. and, and if, and if anything goes in my mouth, that's not what that is. That's not the same texture. It's not the same taste. It's not, it's just, and it's just extremely different. I, I'm, I'm fully aware <laughs> of what's going on, you know? So right. I, 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 I hate to say this, but I really feel like it's, it's just the way that everything kind of came apart. Just the, what's really suspicious to me is the cremation happening so quickly. That is the biggest issue to me out of all the things that are being said, all the things that, you know, even the tabloids were saying all that crazy stupidness. I was so mad um, seeing some of that stuff that they were saying and everything, but really, really just does not set well with me is how quickly they cremated his body. It's like, it's like the, 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 it's like they didn't want you to find something. There was something they didn't want you to find. They wanted to get rid of the evidence really, really quickly. And I don't know what that is, but there's something with something with that does not set well with me. It just doesn't. I'm not going to play devil's advocate here. Um, but what I'm going to say is, is that number one, no will being left. Number two, like dude, how many photos they took of his body, how much his body was being prodded, how much stuff was being done. Like, I'm kind of glad that it was cremated quickly in the sense that his body didn't deserve to be prodded anymore and didn't deserve all these other things that were happening. So it's like to see that go away, like one of Prince's, like, roadies hit me up, like, what do you think about the cremation? I went, man, as long as they're not freaking, you know, pricking his body anymore, as long as they're not taking photos of his damn body anymore, I'm okay with it because that shit pissed me off. I'm sorry to curse. No, um, but it just pissed me off, man. Like, I don't, I don't have a will yet. I don't have instructions of how I want to be buried. Um, I, it's just, you know, them, them not having his body messed with anymore. I was okay with it. I don't know if it's what he wanted. Okay, I don't know about the Jehovah Witness religion if that's what they want. But as long as his body wasn't being messed with anymore, there was relief for me going, "Thank freaking God!" Especially with we saw those photos coming out and we heard about them testing his body and all these other things, taking blood from it and the blood samples that they already had previously when he went to the doctor's office. It was just his body not being messed with anymore. That's the only thing I was relieved about. Well, we are getting some, some uh, posts on Facebook and whatnot and via email. Minneapolis Sound News uh, just posted, those pills kill other people around the country. I doubt he had any idea they were not from a pharmacy. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think there was a lot to be said for that as well. I think that he was dealing with his pain in a variety of different ways. I think there was different levels of, of pain that he would have at certain times. So sometimes he would take this and sometimes he would take that. But I think it kind of got to a point where he kind of wanted to hide some of the, 
some of the level of painkillers that he was taking. So he would put some in different bottles. So it didn't really look like one thing or another. And then I just think it was just a, a matter of, of there just being a confusion about what he was taking and but the volume of drugs that they said was in that pill was i i can't remember what i read it was like enough to kill like a hundred elephants or something ridiculous it was just un it was unreal the amount of of fentanyl that was that was in there uh maisha Maisha also says, you cannot blame yourself, Dr. Funk. He was a grown man. I believe God had, God wanted him to stop suffering. So, you know, so there's that also. Listen, uh, you know, we can kind of, we're kind of going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here regarding his passing because, you know, we we're talking about the book and the fact that, you know, he left us way too soon before he got done writing his autobiography. So I think, you know, it, it's natural to stop and, kind of reflect a little bit on what his uh, you know what his wishes and thoughts were for this book I wish that he would have gotten it done I wish it would have happened in his time but I I, I certainly do not think by any I know that people was like oh I think he took his own life I do not think that at all not even in the slightest in not it's it's that that doesn't even I don't even entertain that thought at all and the reason why I don't entertain that is because a he wouldn't want to give the full responsibility of somebody else writing his autobiography over to somebody else when he's in the process of writing a book. So there's that. Secondly, he certainly would not have taken his own life before he was able to properly allocate who's going to get what and who's going to take care of what in a will. As far, especially with as much as he went through with everything that he had to go through to get back his rights to his music and all the fighting that he did in order to get his music back, he definitely was not going to go without properly making sure that that was all tied up with a bow. So for anybody that believes that he took his own life, I do not believe that for one second just because of the way that things shook out. And there was just too many loose ends that he fought so hard to make sure we're not loose ends. And he just, I just don't think that he really got an opportunity to tie it up. I think that if he was with us for another month, I think that all those things would have been tied up. Maybe not necessarily the autobiography because that's a lot of writing. However, I do believe that if he, he really kind of felt like, look, I've had a couple brushes with death. They've already had to, you know, stop a plane and revive me. Uh, and I've, you know, been, in this scenario now, um, you know, twice where I've had, you know, close brushes. I think that he was, he probably had crossed his mind. You know what? I, I'm kind of getting a little bit close here. Maybe I should take care of some of this stuff. I just don't, I think it happened a little bit too quickly for him and it was not intentional at all. I do not believe for one minute that it was intentional. Not even, it doesn't even, that's not it doesn't even cross my mind. It just doesn't. Yeah, all of it is just, just crazy. I mean, you know, the reason that it's just, I don't even want to get into it. Um, well, no, and, and I, I understand, but, you know, one of the things we were, we were talking about, we were talking a little bit about the book and, um, let, you know, well, as far as the book is concerned, we'll just kind of pause here and, and because, the fact of the matter is the book is coming. 
The book is coming next month. Uh, what's the exact date on it? October what? October 29th, is it? 26th? Yeah, it's 29th. 29th. Um, what's up with the 29th? So October 29th, the book is coming out, and then one month later, the reissue of 1999 is coming out. So something special about the 29th, for sure. Uh, right. Yeah, so... You know, the book's going to be interesting. You know, as we've kind of been speculating here, there was a lot that was put on the plate of Dan. And I, again, I don't know Dan. I'm hoping that we can get him on the show at some point. I would just, you know, yeah, anyways. Tina, Tina right. Zoki sent an email, said it doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from his genius. If anything, it made him more human. I think he was sick, some sort of mortal illness and was trying to deal with it. Only because of how he looked at the end, um, I yeah you know, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily negate that because there was a couple of photos that I saw that were kind of taken at unfortunate angles that really kind of made him really look skeletal in a couple of photos that were kind of a little bit dis you know, he was just such a perfectionist about every single photo that ever got released of him and he made sure that he always looked his best and i just there was just some photos that surfaced of him during those final days that were kind of a little bit uh kind of made me a little bit uneasy it was just a little bit unusual um it was just surprising it was surprising for sure uh, Trisha Westberg says, I can't wait for tonight's show to be unavailable on Patreon. I missed the first two hours. Well, do not worry your pretty little head. We will make sure that the show gets posted on Patreon. It should be tomorrow, maybe Thursday. We've got some scheduling things that are going on tomorrow that are just insane. As if you missed the first part of the show, which you just said you did, tomorrow is just a crazy day uh, for, for me personally. We got a lot of different things. Go I've got a lot of things going on professionally that are happening the first part of the day. And then the second part of the day is actually 9-11 uh, is going to be my 20th wedding anniversary. Was married in 1999. 9-11, 1999. Um, it's the 20th wedding anniversary. And also, and three years after that, my wife went into labor with our middle daughter, who is 17. So she turns 17 tomorrow and my 20th wedding anniversary. Both things happening tomorrow on 9-11. So I can only imagine that I... I don't know I'm going to get a whole bunch of work done. I'm kind of wedging it into that first part of the day because I have to make myself available to my wife and my daughter tomorrow. So that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm in. <laughs> that's where I'm at. But in regards to Patreon, I'm going to do my best. Luckily, luckily, we haven't done like a ton of music. This is not like an album chat where we've got to wedge in a bunch of different songs and whatnot. So I might be able to actually get it done tomorrow and get it uploaded to Patreon, but I'm not making any promises. But if you do, if you are a, a supporter of Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Funkatopia. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Funkatopia, F-U-N-K-A-T-O-P-I-A. Um, if you want to become a supporter there, you'll be able to get access to those files. They've had access to last week's show as well. Funkatopia is going to be getting last week's show here in the next, uh, well, it should be available tomorrow or Thursday uh, as well. So anyways, lots of great, great stuff. Um, and, and for those who just came on board, I don't know where you've been, but uh, this is Dr. Funkenberry's 100th episode. Congratulations, brother. You made it. 100. Thanks. <laughs> 
was it was it everything you hoped (laughs) um yeah okay good it's uh something else let me tell you um but i'm very very grateful i'm grateful for the fans i'm grateful for you i'm grateful that i'm here um and yeah i just want to keep it going and um I want to make sure that things aren't as heavy as this episode was. Like I've been having a lot of fun lately with the guitar stuff and the gold experience album chats. Those were more interesting. I just felt that this kind of had to be put out there. You know what I mean? Just to help with everything. Yeah. I I think it's important. And all that other stuff going on. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, we, we knew that getting into, um, we knew that getting into this topic, uh, the beautiful ones and these being Prince's final written words. When you think about it, we don't necessarily know that he was in the recording studio or that he actually recorded anything during this little window of time. Cause we know that he was also actively touring with Prince piano on a microphone. So he was kind of a little bit absorbed in that probably working out some of the set list and, you know, just kind of tinkering around with some of the piano acoustic versions of some of the songs that he was doing. So don't know that he actually recorded a whole bunch, but we do know that this is one of the final things that he ever wrote. So that in itself is going to be a huge draw into whether or not people are actually going to you know pick up this book. And hopefully they will. I know that Prince fans will, we know that, but I, I just really hope that it is an absorbing book just like Prince had envisioned it to be, and that it's going to be, it's going to cover everything that he wanted it to cover. I don't believe that it will fully be able to grasp a lot of the topics that he wanted Dan to cover because you just can't. Um, but I'm, I'm interested nonetheless. It's going to be very, very exciting. Again, Random House is reaching out to a lot of Prince groups to throw launch parties at various bookstores all around the United States in Atlanta. I know they've reached out to Funkatopia and they want us to do an event at the books a million at the Sugarloaf mills in, uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. I think that's Lawrenceville, Georgia, but it's the Sugarloaf mills shopping center. If you're in Atlanta, it's kind of Northeast of Atlanta. There may be some other ones that are in downtown Atlanta, but we, you know, this was really good location, but once we got to have more info, we will, uh, we do know they have also been reaching out and saying that if you pre-order the book, make sure that you go onto the site. You can go to facebook.com slash Funkatopia and click on the link there. And if you pre-order the book, you can get a free poster. It's a six by nine poster. That's not feet. That's inches. <laughs> and you can get a poster uh, that will be included with that as well. Uh, unfortunately, the poster is not available for people overseas. It is only available in the continental U.S. for whatever reason that may be. Somebody had denoted that and said, hey, uh, bring that up. Um, and what else was I going to bring up? Oh, so we were and we also kind of visited the 1999 release, uh, the reissue release, which is going to be fantastic. Five CDs and one DVD for the low price of only $70. However, if you want the vinyl, it's going to be 10 LPs, 10 vinyl disc. And still the DVD. I don't know how the DVD is going to be. I think the DVD is going to be just a DVD, I guess. I, I imagine they're going to pre-package it maybe in a sleeve or something. I don't know how they're going to package 10 vinyl. It's got to be a box. It's got to be a box box. It's, yeah. You know. Uh, kind of like what they did with the Beatles, where it's going to be like a box with a flip top or something. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but it 
that's going to be for the low price of $249, which is just doesn't, whew. that is a wallet breaker for sure. 250 bucks, a quarter of a thousand dollars. That's what that is. Uh, so there's that. And we were also uh, celebrating Dr. Funkenberry's 100th episode, which we already talked about and which is really cool that you're here doing that. And, the other thing that we were doing is we were also playing some tracks from some new artists, some new tracks from new artists. And uh, I, maybe we should play like a few more of those and then uh, close close it out. And let's see what we got here. Uh, I'm only going to play like a few more. I don't know which one I'm going to play. There's, uh, there is an artist by the name of Jamie Arendt. J, it's Jame, J-A-M-E-Y, Jamie Arendt, A-R-E. E-N-T, and uh, they sent me a track called The Backburner that I thought was very, very interesting. So I handpicked some of these tracks. It's kind of like a new music Tuesday kind of thing. I, I wanted to integrate it with Funkatopia Live because we have enough things going on. Oh, and before we play this track, actually, let's just go ahead and play this track. Let, let me, let me, I'm not playing the whole track, just like a minute snippet of the song because these are songs that I feel like you probably would be interested in. Really good stuff. So let's take a listen. It's Jamie Arendt, and the song is called Backburner. Check it out right here on Funked Up. Check it out. of the singles that uh, I was sent and I wanted you guys to check it out. Uh, next track, Mayor Hawthorne. A lot. Mayor's been around for a while. He's amazing. He's such a great performer. He did a full band. Uh, he did lots of full band performances when he plays as Mayor Hawthorne. Uh, he's been around for a bit. He's got a lot of fans all around the globe. And he also does a duo uh, duet with, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but they. Uh, he's also in a band called Tuxedo, which is him and another guy. And they do kind of like a disco edged type of thing. Uh, but he's got a brand new song called The Great Divide, not as Tuxedo, but as Mayor Hawthorne. And that's M-A-Y-E-R and then Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E. And it's called The Great Divide, and here's a little bit of snippet for that. Here it is. Ooh, that's that rare change right there. Yeah. 
was the Great Divide from Mayor Hawthorne, which kind of reminds me of his album that happened a few, a couple albums ago called Where, Do, Where Does This Door Go? That album was incredible. Uh, it was such a, it was one of his best albums ever. And I think this new single kind of speaks a little bit to what he was doing before. We are also going to be playing uh, playing something a little bit out of the ordinary here. It's a little bit harder edged for sure. And if it's uh, Public Enemy versus meets Rage Against the Machine, literally, uh, it's got Tom Morello and Chuck D. And it's just it literally is a very hardcore, grungy. It's it's Prophets of Rage is what they are. So it's got Chuck D on on vocals rapping, and uh, it's just it's beastly and it's it's a brand new song they just released called pop goes the weapon and it's here it is prophets of raids it's a little bit harder edged so if you can't handle it uh just you know turn it down for a second but here it is pop goes the weapon right here on funked up just a little clip of this snippet from Prophets of Rage, a song called Pop Goes the Weapon, for those of you guys who like a little bit of the harder edge stuff. Every now and then we throw those in. We throw in like a living color, or we throw in uh, uh, Prophets of Rage, or we throw in a Rage Against the Machine, and some t- I always get a mixed review. Some people are like, I just can't, it's just too much. You're you're like blowing up. It's, it's just, it totally takes me out of the zone. And it's like, you know what, there's so many things about it that really vibe with everything else you know i think that's one of the things that prince really struggled with during his time was that he always wanted to do something harder and that's definitely why i he put together the whole third eye girl scenario but uh, i think he always wanted to come come with it harder and just really more street and it was just one of those difficult things that he he could never really do well. And it was like, we were all like, we don't need that from you. We we're, we're good. We just, we love what you do. Just keep doing what you do. That's not necessary to kind of go that route. If you don't need to, we, we love you. Just do what you do. But, uh, right. I, you know, I, it's one of the reasons why every now and then between the 12 to six blocks, we always play, um, you know, we always play those types of things. Uh, all right, let me just play a couple more. Let's just uh, let's play Rich Brian. I know we played a lot of people that some stuff that people know, uh, but now we're playing some stuff that people may not know. And this guy is named Rich Brian, and the name of the song is called One Hundred Degrees. Don't know a whole bunch about him, uh, but he is uh, doing pretty well apparently. And I, well, just take a listen. It's called One Hundred Degrees right here on Funked Up. It's 
100 degrees Why you feeling down, what's the problem? We just here to be free It don't feel like the something Bump into the radio with the so cold as the moonlight glows No, we don't give a fuck We ain't gotta change a thing no We gon' do it cause we want to Days pass by and now we playing by our own rules Chasing a sea with a kiss and there's some great view Dancing in the parking lot, jamming to some old school We the kings of the city All the lights look pretty We bad boys like daddy We in the club like Fetty Ay, Keep my feet up on the dash Gee golly, we just having a blast and that was Rich Brian, 100 Degrees. Actually, that you know what what intrigued me about this song was I think that I've heard it actually play on Sirius XM, and it's gotten a lot of traction. It was only on the YouTube video was posted like three or three weeks ago, and it three or four weeks ago, and it already had 10 million views. So, uh, so, so obviously, and he, I think he's like a Vietnamese rapper or whatever. So he does not look the part. He's like, I think at the time he was like 17 or 18 years old. And he just looks like, like a like a bookworm. He like wearing like a pink polo shirt, button up, and he just does not look like this part at all. And he's just, and they even have like one of those rapper reaction things, and like all these hard rappers, like Two Chains and everything, are all watching it, and they're like, "This guy is dope." And it, it, it's just, I, I can't process it. It seems like a marketing gimmick to me. Uh, but it's he's blowing up and he's all over the place. And there's probably people out there now who know who Rich Brian is. And they're like, how do you not know who Rich Brian is? I just didn't. I didn't know. And it's, his name is not Rich. His name is Brian. And so he's playing this uh, money man type of thing. So it's Rich Brian. Brian with a lot of money. Rich Brian. Anyways, uh, but it's very cool. Anyways, so, I, so we're going to stop with the, uh, the new songs. I, I'll put up some other tracks on here. I did, I had three more, but you know, it's okay. Uh, I did want to play the Mark Cofola song, uh, which I'll do later. I'll probably do it on another show. Uh, he's got a track called 1985. He's with the Federation of the Disco Pimp. And I think we, we played it before on the show. So he's gotten some airplay, but, uh, man, what a great show tonight. It's been a lot of fun. We were able to share a lot of music with some, some people. It's a lot of new music. We were able to do uh, quite a bit of stuff. It's been a lot of fun, to be honest. It's um, to discuss the 1999 reissue. Very excited about that. I'm very psyched about the book that's coming out. Uh, one's happening October 29th, that being the book. And the 1999 reissue is coming out November 29th. I'm also so glad that we were the second website to post that 1999 reissue information because I think you sent it to me from, what was it, uh, tap, Music Tap? I think it was MusicTap.com. MusicTap.com somehow got an early, early grab of the press release. Somehow they grabbed an early version of the press release, but they didn't indicate that's where they got it from. Somehow they got a hold of it and they just went with it. I think they're probably like tapped into whoever the, the places that, that does the press releases. And somehow they got the jump on everybody. I mean, they got the jump on Rolling Stone. They got the jump on Variety and everything else. You sent me that link about the 1999 reissue. And I immediately said, no, no, no. I'm rehashing this. I'm, re <laughs> I'm putting this on Funkatopia. And I was the second website to get it up. And then it wasn't until 
I think I reached out to Ultimate Prince and I said, have you seen this? And I put a link to Funkatopia and he said, yeah, I did see it, but I'm going to wait until it's officially released. And I was like, yeah, well, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, just, I just went with it because sometimes you just got to roll the dice and go, you know what? This is, this is real. I'm, I'm, I'm going with it just because there was so much detail involved in it that I knew that it was legit. Um, it was just too much. It was too much. Sometimes they announce something and there's just, there's no way that it can't be right. And so I just, I just went with it and I lucked out because that it wasn't until what, three or four hours later that variety launched it and, and it, it wasn't, you know, it, I love being early to stuff. It's always good, but I can't always be there. I just can't. Um, Carrie Martinez emailed, said tough show emotionally tonight, but so good. Thank you to you two. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, Brian Davis says, I wish you two many more. Happy birthday to your daughter, too. Peace and chicken grease, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Tina says, my granddaughter's birthday is tomorrow also. She will be seven. Happy anniversary and happy birthday to your daughter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, lastly, Cassandra Bradley. Medication can and does reside in the liver for up to 23 days. So when they say he had enough to kill an elephant, that is how it looks like he took so many pills at one time. He is safe now with God. Yes, yes. Thank you. Right. Um, and I, I think ultimately that's kind of you know where we're at. It's we, we definitely want to make sure that we continue to protect his legacy and to make sure that you know that's what we're here for. That's the reason why we do Funkatopia Live every Tuesday night. I mean. He hasn't been with us for over three years now, and we still continue to keep this ball rolling. We still continue to make sure he he did so much and he accomplished so much in his life that three years later, we are still doing this 365 and we haven't even scratched the surface of what this man did during his time on Earth. It's not we haven't even we haven't even scratched it. We haven't even begun to scratch it. So I'm, you know, I'm excited to hear about all the different things that are coming down the pike, like the book and the reissue and, um, Dr. Funkenberry again on line with us celebrating his 100th episode. Here's, here's to a hundred more brother. Thanks man. I appreciate it big time. And like I said, I love doing live shows and I wanted it to do it with someone and not just have me talking and then we only get an hour show and this way we're able to get three hours in we're able to listen to some new music put some focus on some artists that definitely deserve it and I dig that wholeheartedly yeah man it's been a lot of fun and uh, I hope that all of you uh, enjoyed yourselves this has been Funkatopia Live, and we are going to, let's say, we're going to break into some music. We're going to set up some music. We've got a lot of stuff to play, and I know we have a little bit of time left, but we just want to just play some really, really great music. Let's try to, let me see what I got here. Uh, how about a little bit of uh, Just As Long As We're Together? That sounds like a great track, and then we'll play a bunch of other stuff, too. And uh, maybe, maybe before the midnight hour, maybe a, a couple tracks from the ether may slip into this mix somehow that you're going to see in november <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll we'll see i don't want to cause no problems with no folk but uh you know 
you do what you can to make sure that, uh, you know. Uh, before we go, though, before we go, before we start into the music, we're going to break into it. Uh, Cammy just sent an email. Huge thanks to Cammy for sending the apple pie wine. I just finished that. I finished that first bottle tonight, so it was great. Thank you so much. Uh, Cammy says, yeah, I, I killed it. I killed it. It is a it is a dead soldier now, or whatever they call it. I, I cried many tears tonight, but wanted to say thanks. Can't wait for the book. I have the Kindle coming and the CDs and next week's show. Congrats again, Doctor, on the 100th show. That was from Cammy. Thank you guys so much. And also, yeah, so we're also, oh yeah, and Mary Johnson quickly sent an email too. It says, great show. Let's make you two a team. So we keep hearing that. <laughs> we keep hearing that. Everybody's like, just. There we go. And I'd love to uh, at least for one episode or whatnot. Well, I won't say it. Uh, I'll say it out there just in case. So, but yes, I, I like the idea. And I like bringing other people in as well. That's how I feel. I want to just all be all inclusive. It's all love. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's a good opportunity for me not to have to talk the whole time. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. So a lot of people are asking about next week. Ugh. Oh, my God. So, listen. Emancipation, the album chat. <laughs> Holy shenanigans. The problem is, I, I, I really want to do what I promised, which is to do the album chat for Emancipation. And as many of you know, that is three CDs. Most of the time we do an album chat, it runs anywhere from two to three hours just for one CD, especially when they're long CDs like these are. Right. So it, it, you, there's no way you can do it in one night. It would have to be like a super marathon session. And I really honestly have not been able to sit down and get everything together to pull it off. And I've only got a week to get three CDs ready. And it's just, it, it's a lot. I, we will do at least one of the CDs, CD one from Emancipation. My goal was to do uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night, just do uh, three album chats back to back to back. But the problem is, is that something along the line, in order for me to be able to accomplish that, something with the editing and everything else that's involved in doing that and coming up with those shows, something else has to suffer, either professionally or personally, in order for me to make that happen. And I just don't know that that's possible. And I, I'll be honest. So I'm going to, you will at least get CD1 from Emancipation at least. You know, if we have to stretch it out, we will. That's that's what we'll do. You know, so maybe we'll do CD one in the following week. We do two and three. I, I don't know, but I just had to be honest about what the implication is on me uh, personally. And it's just I I have so many different things going on. For many of you know, I also have a uh, a marketing company that I I run. It's mine, um, and it's just we signed a major major client, uh, and it is really absorbing a bunch of my time and it is uh you know it's it's a good thing it's a positive thing but on the same note you know you can't just push aside the things that are actually paying the bills you know <laughs> it's just it's the reality of it uh and we also were going to be uh expect this week at some point this week we are going to be making an announcement about a fundraiser that we talked about with the guitar that Nick Garcia uh, uh, created. That it's it's a I think it's a cloud guitar. The version that he has it's the, the guitar cloud uh, cloud guitar replica, and it is pretty amazing. And uh, as soon as we get a picture of it, 
we are going to be doing a uh, a drawing for it where if you donate, you get an entry in it, uh, an entry for it, and it's just going to be an ongoing thing. And then for a certain period of time, and then once all the donations are in, your name will be drawn from that from that list. And I think depending on depending on how much you donate is dependent on um, is depending on how many entries there are for that and the winner will get is going to be drawn it could be drawn from somebody that just has one entry was going to win that guitar and it will be shipped to you and uh, a portion of the proceeds will go to prn alumni and so that's kind of our goal that's kind of what we're doing here it's going to be a lot of fun and as soon as we get a picture of that we will start that we were going to be doing it tonight but i didn't have a picture and i wanted to post it up on facebook we didn't get an opportunity to do that so sorry but it's going to be awesome we always want to make sure that all the people that were part of the prn family you know folks that need need help um can get it you know the people that are you know are have medical issues and have uh, are, are facing hardships actually get the help that they need financially and that's the main reason why prnalumni.org exists and they do such good work there and we obviously want to support prince and the legacy and all the people that were able to to work for him and uh i mean people like rosie Gaines who you know continue to have ongoing medical expenses and rely on those types of uh, donations and so we want to make sure that they get taken care of and so that's kind of partially why we're setting up this whole thing so once we get a picture of this guitar we're going to make sure that it gets taken we're going to start that process and then we'll let it run for about a week or so and then we'll do a drawing and the person will win that guitar but i we were supposed to announce that tonight but i didn't have a picture so i can't do that so but once we do it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming Doc, thank you so much for joining us once again, man. Congratulations on your 100. And, uh, man, it was fun. Awesome time. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you guys want to donate, you can always donate. It's on the website as well as I'll make sure that there's a link put in with the show when we put it out as well to share this as a combined effort. But thank you guys again. Thank you, Mr. Christopher. Thank you, everyone that's listening. Much love always. Keep it funky. Yeah, and, and just to kind of speak to that just for a couple of seconds, we also have a lot of financial responsibilities too. There's a lot of things that, that Doc is up against um, that, that you know, so there, there's donation capabilities. You know, if you want to donate to Doc to kind of keep things moving for him, I'm sure that he would greatly appreciate it. Same thing here. Not only do we have our own issues and everything, it may sound like I've got a bunch of stuff great going for me, but the reality of it is is that this radio show and the ASCAP licensing fees and everything that we have to do for this radio station is, it's quite an undertaking. So, you know, if you want to donate over here, you can obviously donate via PayPal and some of the things that we have there, but also via Patreon at patreon.com slash Funkatopia. And for Doc, you can visit his website and you can click on the donation link there. And as, as he said, he also takes, uh, he also does donations uh, on whenever he does posts and stuff. So definitely we certainly could use the help as well. We want to make sure that we're also at the same time, giving and providing so that's what we're here for thank you so much for tuning in once again we're going to kick it right back to the music thank you for tuning in to funkatopia live once again we will do our best to get this up and running tomorrow i will get you the file 
And um, that's that for right now. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Good night. Adios, amigos y amigas. Good night. Funkatopia Live and Funked Up is the online radio station of Funkatopia and is in no way affiliated or endorsed by Paisley Park or the estate of Prince Rogers Nelson. Yet. <laughs>